You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Force Perspectives for The Mandalorian Chapter 22, Guns for Hire. Uh, I am your host, Michael Cohen, and joining me, not not the illustrious Joe Hogan. Joe is, uh, I believe, safely in London now. He's at Star Wars Celebration or getting ready for Star Wars Celebration. I'm sure that they'll be... I uh, I don't know what time it is there right now. It's not. It's nine thirty at night here, uh, on the west coast. So I don't know. It's like I don't know the middle of the night for them, I guess. But uh, I'm sure he'll be waking up soon and heading down to uh, uh, the Excel Center. I think is what it's called um, to set up for Artist Alley. But uh, in his place. I uh, bring in uh, one of my favorite people to talk to about Star Wars. Just did an episode of Perfect Ten with him, so it's awesome that we're we're it's so long since we podcasted, and now we're podcasting together, uh, tw- basically twice within the span of a month. And that is Marty Alman, I from Not Another Movie Podcast. How's it going, man? Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on Force Perspectives. This is a uh... I don't know, kind of a dream come true for me, to be honest. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think as soon as Mandalorian ever got announced, I felt like I like said, hey, in a year when this show comes out, I would love to do a podcast with you about The Mandalorian. And it just took 22 episodes for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I apologize for taking so long. No, no. I... It was mutual, sir. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but here we are now, and uh, man, what an episode. What an episode for you to come in on. Listen, right out the gate, I'm going to go ahead and say this is a no-hate zone for this episode. So if you are one of the people that bounced off of this one, I'm sorry. This is not going to be for you. I will say, hopefully you'll stick around and you will hear from me. Uh, a diehard Star Wars fan that I hope that you trust the opinion of uh, if you've been around for a while. Uh, All of the reasons why this specific episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 22, Guns for Hire, is in fact a perfect episode of Star Wars. And I know, I know, Marty, like you're not 100% there, right? Like you're... Oh, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we're going to get into it. But but for me, this is, honestly, this episode's every bit as good as the best Star Wars. And and for me, that's Solo, that's uh, The Last Jedi, that's Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. Like, this is up there 
um, even though it's completely different from those other things, although not entirely completely different. And that's the thing. And we'll get into that. But I, I just want to say like Bryce Dallas Howard, she's directed now several episodes of these shows. And I, they are my favorites. Like they are like, like easily they are some of my favorites is like, I, 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 the, um, Oh man, what's the episode? We got the sanctuary, uh, which is from uh, chapter four. Yeah, so she's a sanctuary, yeah. right? Um, chapter four, and then we have uh, the heiress, which was chapter eleven. Ten, yeah, eleven. And then yeah. we had uh, the return of the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. So, um, I mean, like, listen, like, come on, that's some that like that is some of the best stuff that we've gotten in this show for sure. Um, and like, I would put it up there with like, cause my, my, my favorite, my favorite episode is, uh, is, uh, the believer. Is that the episode? That's the, the title, right? Episode. The one with, with Migs. Yep. Um, when he comes back, right. That's my favorite episode of the Mandalorian. I love that episode so much because I love Migs. So funny. Cause I hated Migs in season one when he first like Migs and that whole, like the prisoner, I did not like that episode Interesting. Uh, initially. Um, and then season two comes along and the prisoner and Migs comes back for the believer. And I, that performance, I is just like off the charts. Good. And made me go back and watch, um, like the prisoner with new eyes. And when I was like, yeah, okay. Like, like Rick Famuyiwa, he's, 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 he's got this figured out. But, um, but the thing about the Bryce Dallas Howard episodes is like, no, calibration required just good star wars like say what you want to say about book of boba fett i don't care uh because i will defend that show as well me too um (laughs) like that her episode is like some of the best star wars we've ever gotten as well like what a what a phenomenal episode that is and then this one it's just star wars is star wars is weird uh it's dumb it's silly i i it's never stupid i'll I'll be really clear about that distinction star wars i shouldn't say never but star like star wars properly is never stupid there's definitely stupid star wars that comes out most of it is in comic book form occasionally the novels are a little bit stupid um but i i the novels tend to be stupid when they're trying to fit square pegs into round holes and it's i feel bad about it because it's i'm always like this is not the fault of the authors because these authors are are guns for hire um they come in and they're meant to do a job and sometimes they come in and they elevate the material and and they push it like beyond the scope of what they were asked to do like the last jedi novelization like the revenge of the sith novelization that take those that are better than the movies right and that's saying a lot because those are two of the best star wars movies right like they're in the top five um but those novelizations take those movies and and like crank them to a whole nother level and then you go back and watch those movies and you appreciate the movies even more right um and and i i oh man what's the one uh last shot the han solo lando calrissian that's a fun book so good so so good that makes you go back and like and this is what i always say 
great Star Wars. Like good Star Wars is a fun adventure that sort of follows the rules of Star Wars and plays with the archetypes and the tropes and all of that stuff. Great Star Wars makes other Star Wars better, right? Mm-hmm. And so like the best novels do that. The worst novels are the ones that come in with the agenda of trying to fix broken parts of Star Wars. So um, what's the what's that recent one that's like the 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 Tross Fix It novel? Um, with um, Luke and Lando, uh, maybe Shadow, Shadow of the, the Sith, Sith with yeah. Ochia Bastoon, which is it's like yeah, stop with Ochi, Ochia yeah. Bastoon try to happen. <laughs> yeah, Ochia of Worstoon, as I call him. I I, yes, I, I hate him. Yeah, it's my favorite. This is the best joke I ever made on Twitter. Um, it's just Ochi it's just one tweet. Yeah, it's more like the tweet is more like Ochia of Worstoon, right? And it's dude, I, I gotta, I love it. I gotta write that it's one down. i already did i wrote it down i tweeted it it's out there um and uh yeah and i mean like it it has the uh it has the 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 origins of ray's parents mirror mirror and uh i wait is that the name yeah mirror mirror m-i-r-a-m-i-r that's her name That's, that's ray's mother's name yeah still no last name still no last name that's that's uh, one name. That's the first name. That's wow. one name. First name. I uh, and then and then Dathan, which is Nathan with a D, uh, is is her father's name. <laughs> that, that's honestly that one's not so bad. That's a that's a traditional Star Wars name, right? It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty. It's like it's like lazy Star Wars. It's like the. It's You're like the, oh, take the first three letters of your last name and the first two letters of your first name. And that's your Star Wars character name. And it's like, yeah, OK, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, I I some of that Star Wars is stupid and it's not the fault of the writers like the authors that, that put those novels together. It is it is absolutely the fault of like the larger Lucasfilm initiative to try and like we got to fix, we got to make people think that Ochi is cool. And it's like, and then Ochi in the comics. And it's just like, he, he looks like he, his Earl of lemon grab face. I, <laughs> <laughs> which if you're, a, if you're an adventure time fan, they like, they like give him in the comic books. I, I think it was, it was like the bounty hunter war or something like that. Um, he shows up in like classic trilogy era. Right. Um, uh, and it's the, I think it's the period between Empire and Jedi, and it's like all the bounty hunters trying to to take Han Solo from Boba Fett, right? Because right. they all want to take him to Jabba. Um, and Oshi shows up in that story, and Kira shows up in that story as well. I think I'm I I haven't read it because I don't read I can't I just cannot bring myself to read this stuff. Um, I've read uh, parts of it, um, but uh, no, I, I didn't see anything yeah. about Ochi in that era. But it, it's uh. I, he, it always makes me sad uh, because yeah. I know that we're going to get, uh, if we're going to get a cure in the comics, that means that we're not probably going to get her in yeah, animation know, or live right? action or anything. Yeah. So that makes me sad. Um, but uh, they gave him a helmet. Like they gave him this whole other outfit. They gave him like a bounty hunter helmet because bounty hunters got to have a helmet or at least a big hat that he can throw like a Frisbee. Um, <laughs> Embo is so that. lame. Oh, no. no one. No one will ever convince me. Like, don't don't let Carl from Wampa's Lair hear this, like Carl Leclerc, because uh, he'll get so mad at me because Embo is like his favorite bounty hunter. 
Embo is Embo is every bit as lame as I used to say Boba Fett was, oh. or because I used to be like, oh, Boba Fett's not that cool, you guys. Like he's a punk. Like, like he 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 gets clowned out by blind blind Han Solo and eaten by the Sarlacc. And then they came back and they fixed him. Right, they right. fixed him. But I uh, know he's one of my favorite Star Wars characters because they fixed him. Just like yeah. Darth Maul, I used to say in the same breath, like, "Oh my god!" Like Boba Fett and Darth Maul are so overrated. They just look cool. That's all they do, right? Um, and then they brought back Darth Maul, and I'm like, "Darth Maul is in my top five, you guys. Darth Maul is right. my favorite villain in Star Wars because of the work that that George, Dave, and Sam did with that character. Um, in particular, the stuff in Star Wars Rebels. It just like Mm, my god it elevates and this is what i'm talking about is that like good good star wars is fun and 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 a good time and maybe you know like makes you feel something makes you think but great star wars takes the rest of it and elevates it it makes it better right Right. um and i'm gonna tell you guys why this episode guns for hire absolutely does that for these characters i let's get it out of the way let's just start at the end um let's do it this show no longer belongs to din and grogu i want that to be super clear for everybody because there was a there was nonsense about it last year with book of boba fett when din showed up and suddenly the show became about him the show became about him because Boba needed allies and they needed him to have Din Djarin. And so, um, and I also think, I think that some of that story was meant to happen in Rangers of the New Republic. I think that there was going to be like a, like, like sort of like a, not an interlude, but I think, I think Din was going to like be working with the Rangers a little bit as he tried to find the covert. Um, and like, and that Cara Dune would like basically like be working with whoever and like feeding him information to try and find. So he'd be like helping them out as a mercenary, basically um, going places that they couldn't go. And it was like, Oh, Cara Dune is like this is, is this person who, who sort of is this connection between the, the, the Adelphi Rangers and, and the underworld, right. Having, having, you know, been a mercenary for a little while. So Din would have like come in in that. And then by the end of that story, we would have like gone off with Din to get Grogu. Right. And then, and then come back and, 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 uh, and had some more stories. But then when that show got canceled, I think that they had to make like a hard left turn and go like, okay, we got to do this Din and Grogu stuff now because we won't have Rangers in the new Republic, but we want to keep on track with Mando season three because we have all of this stuff planned for Mando season three. So like we got to, we got, we have to fix this. We have to basically put this somewhere and they put it into book of Boba Fett. Right. But at the end of the day, what they needed was they needed, they needed Din and, and Grogu for the finale of book of Boba Fett. Um, I, I maybe not, maybe Grogu was, was not originally supposed to be a part of that, but how else were they going to deal with the rancor? Right. Like, like that's, that's, that's the way that they deal with that. Right. So like Grogu is actually integral in that. And Din is obviously hugely integral. Boba would not have made it out of that without Din Djarin by his side. Like that's the whole deal. Right. Yeah. With the connection with uh, the uh, Mos Pelgo, uh, the Freetown members. Exactly. And, and everything. So exactly. That all tied together. Yeah, 
you have to have all of that, right? So, um, so it all makes sense to me. Like, I like it. I like the interlude. I like that, that it like, and that's how I refer to it is like, it's not that the story, like, like this is a, this is actually like a super common, um, I like, like literary device of like, Oh, like here's a little interlude, like, um, the Tom Bombadil stuff in fellowship of the rings, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fellowship of the ring. It's like the Tom Bombadil stuff is not a part of the story. Not at all. It is absolutely in those early chapters. It's just this weird interlude where like we go off. That's why it's not in the movies, right? Because it doesn't actually like Tom Bombadil does not move the story forward whatsoever at all. Right. Right. But he is actually in the larger scheme of things, really important. And I really hope that rings of power circles around to Tom and that like we get to see him on screen in rings of power because the character Tom Bombadil is like hugely important for the mythology of Lord of the Rings. Um, but you guys didn't know I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd, but I actually, I'm not the biggest, but like, but I'm, I'm still a pretty big Lord of the Rings nerd. I forgot for a long time. And then rings of power came out and I was like, wait a second. I love Lord of the Rings. It's just those dang Hobbit movies that ruined it for me. Um, <laughs> they made me think they convinced me that I didn't like Lord of the Rings. And then also like people being like, Lord of the Rings is better than star Wars. It's like, obviously I'm going to be defensive and, and bristle at that. Right. But like a, like an interlude like that of like, Oh, we're going to go, we're going to go hang out with this character for a little bit because there's some world building, some important mythology stuff that we need to do. And that's kind of what we did with Din during his his episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Totally fine. This episode two is a little bit of an interlude. Now, it's also very heavily in the plot because there are a bunch of important things that are happening here. But the end of the episode, when Din hands off the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, that is effectively him saying like, you're the Mandalorian now, right? Like the man, I don't think that the title, the Mandalorian was ever going to just be Din Djarin, right? Because we know from the fifth episode of the series, like chapter five gunslinger, right? The gunslinger the gunslinger. Yep. I Boba shows up at the end of that episode, right? Like, like not at the end. No. Yeah. Like that's basically at the end, right? Like Fennec is dead and we hear the spurs. Mm -hmm. And now in retrospect, it's like Boba Boba's gear makes that sound. And they did that on purpose and it couldn't have been more obvious, but we all, because it was a secret and we were like, well, I don't know. It could it be that obvious. We all questioned it until he showed up at the end of the Marshall. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, it is Boba. Right. Oh and, yeah, it was and, a good tease. They, you know, took us a year to get that oh, answer perfect. too. So yeah. Perfect, right? Um, but like Boba was in the plan from day one. He had to have been. So well, if Boba was, and Bo Katan obviously was, shows up in season two, so early on in the season. Hmm. Um, like it's 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 very clear, like that this was this is the plan all along. And this is what I've been talking about, is that this is this is a, a a roundabout way of doing like an Arthurian tale, and the bait and switch was that Din Djarin was going to be the new leader of the Mandalorians, and we were all kind of like, 
I guess he'll get there eventually. But now in retrospect, it's like it was never him. It was never going to be him. That's what the whole thing with the Darksaber was always about. He defeated Gideon, but he didn't defeat Gideon with a sword. He did it with the staff, right? He did it with the with the spear. Mm -hmm. And that's not an Arthur thing. I think it's I think Percival is the one who uses a spear, right? Um, Like that's like like he recovered the Darksaber. And it was always going to end up back with Bo-Katan. And when she picked that dark saber up in chapter two or chapter 19, 19 mm-hmm. of this um, season, 18, 19. Yeah. I can't remember, but I uh, 18, like the second episode of the season, second yes. episode of season three and, and made incredibly short work of that crab, uh, grievous guy, right? Crab like grievous guy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a name for him, but like the, the monster, right. And the, you know, like the eyeball the grievous man. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was like this, this thing doesn't belong to Din Djarin anymore. It doesn't like, like she just, she just won it in combat. And, and so for him, to at the end of the episode they're all like oh well you you you're not you don't have the dark saber he does fight him for it and he's like unnecessary i know this woman she's a total badass and she saved my stupid idiot head brain from i i you know like getting the 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 juice sucked out of it you know like and drowning and she, and she like I lost the dark saber. It was taken from me by a superior foe, and mm-hmm. then she defeated that foe. Therefore, and she did it with the dark saber. Therefore, this belongs to her. It's always belonged to her, right? And it, this has always been the thing. And when she saw the mythosaur in the second episode, uh, like at the end of that episode, like this is what that meant. That's what that meant. Now, like the like the signs are clear, and it's so funny because like last uh, two weeks ago, we're going like, "What's up with the, what's up with the armorer?" Right, and then last week we're like, "I don't know." Like, is she like? Does she have like a scheme? Is this a plan? No. She's a she's like a prophet, right? She's a, she's she, the 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 proper word for it is she's like she's an ascetic. Right. So she's she's devoted to their way and she's like a spiritual leader. She's not the she is not like the um, for Mandalorians. It's like a warrior king. Right. Warrior mm-hmm. king or queen. Right. Um, that leads them because they're a because they're a, 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 a warrior uh, tradition. Right. So they have a, they have a warrior ruler. That's like their political leader, but the armorer, because the armor is so important to their spirituality is their spiritual leader. And so that's what she is. And with that comes like foresight, right? Not literal, like, like precognition foresight, but just like she's able to see what others aren't. And that's why she is the armorer. And so now it's like, that stuff that was going on last week of like, she's telling Bo to take her helmet off and like, what's going on? Like, what's her angle? There is no angle. 
Like I'm convinced now there is no angle. There never was. We were projecting something onto that character because we thought that like something was going to happen. And I've been saying all season that I thought that that we were heading towards a confrontation with the armor. Right. I don't think that that's the case now. Like I think now, like when they come, when next week, when they come back with Bo-Katan wielding the dark saber, which Din never did. Din, Din never wielded the dark saber. He only ever used it against opponents he could defeat without it. Right. Yeah, he never like, used it like, for power or anything like, Hey, yeah, this is, I mean, he never did that ever. He was never in control of the dark saber, right? The, the dark saber controlled him. And we know from star Wars rebels that that's exactly how it works. And the more like, and he was fighting against it. And so the more he fought against it, the heavier it got because it was not, it's not meant for him. That role was never meant for him. He is not meant to be the leader of Mandalore. He is not the Mandalore. He is the right hand, right? Like he, and so I love it because the end of this episode, he's like, cause they're like, they're like bad talking Mando. And she's like, listen up. This guy is a Mandalorian probably more Mandalorian than anybody else standing in front of me. Like, like she just like goes to bat for him in a way that a couple of weeks ago, I don't think that like, I didn't think that we could have seen that, but, but she's turned her like, like, like the two of them, like it's a, it's a thing. You Are know? we talking about it now? Cause uh, I'm ready to talk about that too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a thing. And, 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 and I have, I have very, very strong reasons that why that I'll point to when we go back to like the beginning of this episode, but yeah, like the two of them, like, like it, usually the saying is, and baby makes three. Right. But it was, it was single dad, Din and baby Grogu. And now uh, uh, they've, they have their matriarch now, right? Like, like Bo-Katan is, is mother and Din is father and Grogu is baby. And that's, that's just, that's what it is. And everybody needs to accept it. And we need to like move on from other stuff and realize that this is just the world. Uh, And that's, it's, it's tough because I really want Din Djarin and Cobb Vanth to smooch. But, you know, like I just <laughs> I just want two pretty boys in Star Wars to kiss and then and then for that to like just give heart attacks to all of the whiny fanboys. Um and they just all they just all drop dead. They just all drop dead from it because they can't handle how adorable and gay Star Wars can be. And suddenly we'll get there. Voices suddenly cried out in terror, and then yeah. we're silenced by two men Bingo. kissing. <laughs> yeah, by two men kissing. We'll get there eventually. It'll happen. Like there will be two boys, and they'll be very pretty, and they'll and they'll put their lips together, and then a bunch of very very fragile ego. Uh, I'm going to use my quote fingers here. Men um, are going to get really really upset and go and go make YouTube videos about how their childhoods are ruined. Um, and that's great. I think, I think that's fantastic. I like, I want it to happen because I just want them to leave. I just want them to be done. I want it to, I want star Wars to cross a line where those people just leave and don't right. come back. But, um, that's not my only reason. I also just think that like, I think that Pedro Pascal and I, and Timothy Oliphant have just incredible chemistry and I'm like, let's, I would, I would like to see it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like and 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 people will have their head cannons and they can have that and we can still, you know, uh, have fan fiction um, with with Din Cobb and uh, and Din Luke and and uh, and all of that stuff. 
uh, whatever you want. Ship whatever you want. Ship whoever you want. It doesn't matter what the canon story is. It's all for fun. Um, hey, hey, guys, it's faking in space. Relax about it, all right? Uh, <laughs> but the reality now is that like we have the first family of Mandalore, and it is Bo-Katan, Din Djarin, and Grogu. Like these, these are, these are the three, they are the Royal family of Mandalore. That's what this episode was. All of the silly stuff that happens in the beginning of the episode, all of the, all of the Jack Black and Lizzo of it all, it's there because it's important that we now recognize that these three characters are bonded, that they are a family and that they are the rightful rulers of Mandalore. That's it. That's it. And I'm not going to hear anything else about it. I don't care to hear arguments against this case because Bryce Dallas Howard is an incredible storyteller and her storytelling could not be more clear. It is explicit as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I wanted to start at the end because oh, I'll get you to talk. I've been talking forever and I'll get you to like, like chime in on this stuff because I want to know how you're feeling about it too. But, and then we'll go back to the beginning and we'll talk about Jack Black and Lizzo and all of that because, oh my God, it's just, nom, 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 just, just want to eat it all up. <laughs> I, it's so good. It's so delicious. And the, and the, the cold open on this episode is also just, oh, yum, 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 just give it to me. Just, this is what I want from Star Wars. And it's what I always say whenever people are like, what do you want next season from this show or that show? Bad Batch, Rebels, Clone Wars, Mando, anything. And I, it, it is always, it is the same stock answer. Do you know what that answer is, Marty? You've been listening for so long. The I, unexpected. Yeah, the you, unexpected. Whatever. Surprise me, Surprise, man. Yes. Surprise me. And this episode was a goddamn surprise party, man. It, I, at midnight last night or this morning, whatever, however you want to frame that, I was ecstatic. I didn't get to sleep until two o'clock in the morning. Episodes only 45 minutes. And I actually started it before midnight because it was up at like 1250, uh, 11.55. It was up on the app and I started watching it. So I was done way before one o'clock. And I was on such a high from this episode that I could not go to sleep. I just kept refreshing Twitter and I tweeted like crazy of just like preemptive strike of like, you're all idiots. If you hate this episode, <laughs> I, I don't agree. care who I'm pissing off. Like you're idiots. You're dumb. You're wrong. And I even like you and I were talking and you were like, I don't know. How I feel. I'm like, Nope, Nope. It's a, it's the best episode. Um, and then, and then I literally like, I woke up this morning so tired, like dead tired, just like, drag me out into the street and shoot me because I'm so tired. I got four hours of sleep and the stupid cat woke me up partway through it as well. But I also had like this spring in my step and I went into my day just like, you know what? Nothing, nothing is going to ruin my day today because we just got some of the best star Wars ever. And so many people are going to be mad about it and they just don't, get star wars like that just period and it just i'm gonna be a little bit i'm gonna be a little bit han solo cocky here for a second and just say that like i there are not that many people i think that truly understand star wars um i think that i think that i've been lucky enough to like surround myself with a lot of those people a lot of those cool people 
um, that that get it, that understand what George is tr- was trying to do with those movies, with really all of his storytelling. Because like Willow is included in this. I even think Indiana Jones is included in a lot of this. Um, it's just uh, like like um, uh, Strange Magic. It's like 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 his stories are they they all share these common threads. Um, but so many people get lost in the, the trappings of the setting of star Wars. And they start to think that the Jedi and the force and Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and lightsabers and the millennium Falcon, like that, that's star Wars. That's not star Wars guys. That's not Star Wars. Those are things in Star Wars. Those are characters in Star Wars. Those are parts of Star Wars. Those, but those are, you know, it's like, it's like when you take medicine, right? Like you get a pill and the outside of the pill, the thing that we recognize as the pill is the capsule that it's in. Right. But the Mm -hmm. capsule is actually nothing. The capsule is not important. It's not the medicine. Right. The capsule is this uh, this membrane between you and the medicine inside, which for Star Wars is the the elixir, right? Hero's journey stuff. So, like, we take the pill, and the capsule dissolves in our stomach and releases the medicine into our body. That's how it works. Luke Skywalker is the capsule. Star Wars is inside that character, right? Like, like that's how it works. It's Star Wars is like the core of it. Like George Lucas's storytelling is this magic about hope. And I, I, you know, like, like, um, determination and, uh, earnestness and sincerity and not allowing the cynicism and darkness of the world to drag you down. Right. And, and the way that you do that is by surrounding yourself with people that you love and loving them and letting them love you and, and being together as a family in a community. That's what star Wars, that's what it really is. And laser swords and X wings and death stars are all just, delivery mechanisms to get that to you. And like I said, this is all of George's stuff, right? Like love is the most important thing. Like in, in Willow, it's like love is the most powerful force in the universe, right? Like that's that's actually what it is. That's what the force is. When Qui-Gon talks about the force and he's talking about the living force, that's what he's talking about. Right. He's not talking about the cosmic force, light and dark balance, blah, 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 all of that garbage. He's talking about the living force, which is the love that we have for one another and how that is the most powerful force in the galaxy. That's what does it. And it's actually like it is it is actually his love and compassion for Anakin for Shmi, I uh, and like, hey, you like, I ship it. Shmi and Qui Gon, hundred percent. But but even just not even in the erotic form of love, like the Eros form of love, like just just like like a platonic love 
for those around him. He sees this kid and this kid is giving and generous and kind um, and immediately is like, hey, there's a storm coming. Come to my house. You'll never make it back to your ship in time. Come, we'll give you food. And it's like this kid's a slave. He's got nothing. And he's opening his house to these strangers because he just he's just good. Right. He's just he, this little kid is pure love and question. Oh, and crushing hard. And Qui-Gon recognizes this and goes like, there's something special about this kid. There's something special here. This, this flower that blooms in the desert, what's going on. And he follows the living force to that house and uncovers the truth of the situation, which is that he's the chosen one. Right? Like, that's like it's it's at the core of everything that Star Wars is at the core of everything that's look, it's at the core of Indiana Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. what what is the thing that motivates Indy in that first movie in Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's not fortune and glory. It's not it's not the Ark. It's Marion. Marion. Right? It's his family. It's it's love. That's what motivates him. And he forsakes the the fortune and glory for that and then in the second movie which is technically a prequel i but after the fact prequel what's the what's the thing that saves him from damnation when he's been cursed short Short round this kid who is his adopted son right and it's love like that's what saves him and then in the third movie he gives up the grail let it the most the the most amazing treasure ever eternal life to save his dad. Right. And, and his dad in turn says to like Indiana, you like, you gotta let it go. Right. Like this is what star Wars is about. And people, I think like completely miss that because they think that star Wars is about laser swords and, you know, Beskar armor and boom. Yeah, like, and I love that stuff, right? We all love that stuff. We all do, yeah. That's the thing is that we love that stuff so much. And it is what makes Star Wars special. But really, at the end of the day, the reason why Star Wars resonates is because George took these mythic archetypes and these tropes and these literary devices and he and he pulled together he cobbled together bits and pieces from every story that he loved and he made his own story in order to express that i don't think that he knew that when he was starting i like i really don't think that he like that he fully understood that when he made a new hope i think that he was just he was just creating something that he wanted to see right which is where you should start. That's always where you should start with art. It's like, cause if you want to see it, then there's chance that somebody else out there wants to see it too. Right. So that's why you should do, you should always create art for yourself first and then, uh, and then find your audience. Actually your audience will find you. Right. But I think also like, like, you know, if you dig into his history and his family and stuff and his relationship with his father, like there's, there's stuff there. There's stuff there that obviously like Star Wars was one of the ways that he worked it out, but he also did it with Willow. I, I, you know, expressing his, his, his love for his daughter and all of that stuff. And you can get into, into the deepness of Willow and what, why Willow exists as a story. Um, 
and why Alora is the core, like at the the core of that story and all of that stuff, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, like Alora Dan has got two dads in that in that movie, and then eventually gets a mom <laughs> at the end. Um, it's uh, it, but and like Indiana Jones, all that stuff. It, it just he like like it it ends up coming out in everything that he does, and. It is like, listen, Star Wars is the best delivery mechanism ever. If you need a spoonful of sugar to get the medicine to go down, like, like you couldn't ask for higher quality sugar than laser swords and X-Wings, right? Like it doesn't, it literally, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't get better than a, than a lightsaber and an X-Wing starfighter, right? There's a reason why we cheer at the end of season two when Luke shows up, even though, you know, is it is it is it the easiest answer? Yeah, of course it is, but it doesn't matter because let's go. Right? It's that's red five, and there he is with that green lightsaber, mm-hmm. and I, uh, uh, you know, it's it's like it's just it it's magic when it happens when they do it right. So I've now said a whole bunch of stuff, and and I was about <laughs> to hand it over to you, and then went on a whole like sermon about Star Wars there. But that's what like this, this, this series, when it's at its best, it understands this. And you know, when it's at its best is when Bryce Dallas Howard is directing because she gets it. And that it, it, it is central. It is a focal point of the stories that she has told in this galaxy, right? It is so core to her episodes these ideas of love and family and community it's it's a thousand percent there um and i think that's why like for me it's like i look at the at her episodes and i just go like this is the best it gets this is the best that it gets and it's like are they my favorite episodes not they're not necessarily my favorite but do i think that they're the best quality episodes a hundred percent every season i don't i i will be I would be hard pressed to, to, to say that another episode, we got two episodes left this season. I don't, they're going to be action packed. Like that's the thing. They're going to be awesome, right? They're going to be phenomenal episodes, but I, I, cause this season has just been completely off the hook. <laughs> I, it's been so good from start to finish. I can't, I cannot believe how good this season has been. Um, and obviously this is all subjective. This is all my perspective on it. Right. And other people are going to have other opinions and that's fine. They can be wrong. But, but as far as I'm concerned, like this is like this, this is peak. This episode was as good as the best episodes of star Wars rebels and rebels is my favorite star Wars stuff. Full stop. Right. Like, like star Wars rebels is my favorite star Wars story. And again, it's because like Dave got it. Dave got to do his own thing for the first time. And what did he do? He told a story about love and family and community that's what the rebel alliance is built on and it's like you got these other stories in star wars that are about the rebel alliance coming together and what are they about they're about the tactical spy thriller blah 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 this is the cost of fighting of fighting a war against the empire and that stuff's cool and it's good but that's not why the rebels win that's not why the rebels win because Kanan Jarrus followed the living force to that kid on Lothal and it changed the game. 
right? Like it totally changed the game. And those lessons learned turned around in the form of Sabine helping Mandalore, right? Which like, imagine if that hadn't happened in Rebels and if the Imperials had taken over Mandalore and had full control of the Mandalorians as an army, right? Because right. that's where that was going, was that, like, Gar Saxon was eventually going to, like, get, like, like take out all of the leaders and unite the clans of Mandalore under his banner, which was the Imperial banner. So Sabine stopped that, right? And then you've got Hera, who goes on to be a, a, a general in the Alliance, right? So, like, those lessons learned, and then goes on to be a part of the New Republic, and, and, um, <clears throat> presumably the resistance if she's still around i'm sure that she was a part of it i mean like we see it we we see the ghost at least in uh in rise of skywalker Skywalker, so we know that much but um right like you've got like you've and and obviously zeb last week we saw him uh wait we uh, did in in the flesh (laughs) uh and then uh and callus who becomes this force for good because of the decision that Kanan made to follow the force to that kid. Right. Like that's what, like, that's what it's a, like, it's just, it's so to me, it's so clear. And that's why I, sometimes I think I get frustrated, but at the same time, it's also, like I said, like I got that little bit of that cockiness because it's like, cause I can see it. Like I see it so clearly. And then an episode like this comes out and I'm just like, this is, the most George Lucas episode of the Mandalorian. This is the most George Lucas story in live action since the last Jedi, like, like Ryan got it and, and Bryce gets it. And I, and I honestly think that John Favreau does get it. I think he just gets it in his own way sometimes uh, with, with his own ideas, but I do think that ultimately he gets it. And I think that Dave has done a lot of work to get him there. Um, and so we still see these like these like glimmers of it. But you can tell this season that like the show is focused. The story is focused back on what it's meant to be about. It's not about setting up the the spinoffs and Boba Fett and Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic and all that stuff. This season is about these three characters. And it's about the transition of the Mandalorian being about Din Djarin to being about like what is a Mandalorian? What does it mean to be the Mandalorian? Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll, I'll get going again. Cause I just got myself going a second time and, and I want to hear from you, Marty. Like, like I've been talking for 45 minutes now. Uh, I'm going to take a break and have a drink. Cool. And I want to hear from you specifically about the end of the episode, specifically about the Bo-Katan stuff, the 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 fight with Axe Wolves and and uh, and Din handing off the the dark saber. So go ahead, talk, tell tell me how you feel. Well, I want to first applaud you because uh, I uh, I've been listening to you for you know years, and uh, it's been it was just interesting because like I felt like I was just listening to another episode just now, <laughs> but uh, every once in a while I'm like, yeah, huh? Oh, oh wait, I'm 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 mic'd right now. <laughs> but uh no it was and you made so many fantastic points and uh i uh i agree with you um with uh bryce dallas howard and her direction over these episodes uh 
you're right. The, the, the themes, uh, the, the common themes in every single one of her episodes, maybe a little bit less in the book of Boba Fett episode, but definitely in the three episodes of the Mandalorian has been love. Um, there is, uh, in the sanctuary, uh, there, there's that, uh, um, there's Omira, the, uh, the mother of, you know, the, you know, the village basically, um, there's, um, and then in season two, we have the heiress and there's, uh, it, it's a little bit more action packed and, uh, definitely more introducing, um, Bo-Katan and, uh, into the live action world, but there's still the frog lady and frog man. And, uh, just even as little as that affects the overall plot, there's, uh, you know, she takes the time to focus on these lovely moments. Um, and just, uh, it's wonderful. And then this one is definitely the one that probably has the most just love. I mean, I mean, you told me to start at the end, but uh, I kind of want to focus a little bit on the beginning, if that's okay. Um, the uh, I, I just love that opening. It, it felt like it was a Clone Wars episode uh, moment. Because <clears throat> um, you're thinking that it's going to, you know, right after that teaser that we're going to get, uh, you know, maybe guns for hire to track down the Mongala prince or something. And, you know, we're going to, Oh, it's going to be a Romeo and Juliet or a, uh, a Mongala and captain Juliet episode <laughs> or something, <laughs> um, which, you know, was, uh, was a great misdirect. And if we ever see them again, again, great. If we don't okay too, but it's just, it's that tip of the iceberg kind of storytelling um, going back to that. But uh, going back to the end though, um, it was, I mean, it will probably be everyone's kind of favorite takeaway from the entire uh, episode, uh, given that that the majority of these episodes had uh, such a different focus. And we'll get to the that part of the episode as well. But uh, in terms of the overall story, the last like seven minutes or so is definitely the most um, that um, kept the kind of the, I mean, just we're finally seeing what she can do and i love seeing axe woes and Casca reeves again Let, let's just take a minute on that because i miss those characters and um i guess sasha banks was just completely lying that she was not in uh, season three <laughs> so <laughs> that was nice to see uh her and axe woes again it was kind of cool um because it felt like axe woes just kind of got <clears throat> shelved for yeah. the rest of season two yeah. And the fact that he became the leader, it was really cool to get more insight. And he's actually, I mean, not a favorite character of mine, but I'm definitely more intrigued by him now. Um, his fighting style was fantastic. Um, overall, the uh, the fight sequence alone was uh, beautifully directed, beautifully choreographed. Um, and, uh, of course, the moments where, the, where Bo actually is able to, like you said, you know, make Din Djarin, um give him an actual like almost a title for these Mandalorians that are just kind of just hanging out um, aimlessly being mercs and uh, like no this guy is actually more Mandalorian probably than you guys are so hmm. uh, we should give him the proper respect and and I also love seeing the dynamic like you said between the three of them um if we noticed in the very beginning, yeah, I'm going all over the place. So I apologize, but, um, no, it's all good. It's all good. I love the beginning where instead, because for 20 some odd episodes, we've seen, um, uh, Din Djarin and 
Grogu basically being inseparable. But I love how you're hit the nail on the head that we're seeing the the three of them as a family and mm. the opening scene with them in the cockpit, who's Grogu next to now? He's next to Bo. Um, he's more comfortable. That's basically his stepmommy for all, you know, for lack of a better term, which is kind of mm. nice. But um yeah, I really loved all that. Um I don't know if you wanted to get into the rest of the episode, which I, I really have some stuff to say about the rest of the episode, which I I, I do love, especially after a second viewing. But uh, did you want to get into the what I was uh, texting you about last night? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let, let's. Let, I mean, yeah. So it's uh, I get it. I'll start off by saying that, like, I get it. I understand why this, why like some people are going to bounce off of this one and be like, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. Some people are not prepared for their star Wars to get quite this weird. Right. Right. But like, I have the reasons too. I, I have a really good reason for, um, cause I, not to cut you off, but I, I yeah. understand like you were saying, like why this episode can be a struggle for some fans. And I feel like you and me, can talk about this in a, in a, in a efficient way that we could just say um, why and can maybe help. And maybe with a little bit of like, you know, star Wars therapy for some of these <laughs> fans to yeah. get through this. Cause I'll be completely honest. It's one of those episodes where if you're waiting for the episode and uh, you're waiting for it to premiere and you're waiting till midnight. And as you're seeing the story unfold, and you're just like, well, we're really spending a lot of time focused on this CSI Star Wars procedural episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're meeting some Ugnaughts. We're going to droid bars. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I mean, we had a droid morgue in this episode. Like, come on. This is mm-hmm. all like fun, good Star Wars. It's the outside of that pill they were talking, kind of talking about. But um, it's like, how much time are we going to spend? And I figured it out as I was kind of processing throughout this uh this uh, day um and i kind of figured out that it's almost as if given what we were given last week especially with that kind of not post-credit scene but kind of post-credit scene with uh the beskar and the ship and all those things mm-hmm. that were built up um that's you know why we do why we quote unquote tune in which is mm-hmm. again like what you said star wars is about love it's about the, but you know it's like that that shiny outside of the pill is so it's so tasty or that sugar is a better analogy. Like you said, um, it's so tasty. You just want all that. And basically what it comes down to is I always go back to the idea of what it must've felt like back in 1980, you finish empire strikes back with the ending that you get with that tone. And then you wait three long years for Return of the Jedi. Finally get Return of the Jedi. What's going on? What, is, is Darth Vader Luke's father? What's, what is happening? I really want to know what's going on. And the first 37 minutes of the episode <laughs> of uh, the film, you're with Jabba the Hutt and his menagerie of Muppets. And there's yeah. so many crazy things happening. And I could just imagine if Twitter was around that, uh, what people must have felt like, like in the first 30 some odd minutes of that movie, that's like, what are we going to get to 
I, I, I thought the emperor was going to be in this. What's going on? Are we going to find out? You know, all that stuff. So I feel like this episode would benefit from watching the entire season, you know, kind of straight through. Mm-hmm. But I'm not trying to shortchange it or anything, but I, it was one of those things where I could understand where yeah. people could uh, come from. That all being said, I absolutely love this episode. I don't care about the comments about too many cameos. Um, I'm not even the biggest Jack Black fan, and I loved him in this episode. Um, you have Christopher Lloyd uh, being a villain again, which is awesome. You know, he's yeah. uh, uh, Commissioner Hellgate. Like, come on with the obvious Star Wars name. These are fantastic. You know, Commissioner yeah. Hellgate, awesome. Um, yeah. Even when he gets shocked by the end with Bo-Katan, he almost kind of looked like Uncle Fester there for a second. I don't know about <laughs> you, but, but uh, yeah, we got, you know, some great world building. Uh, I love the planet. Um, Pel- uh, Pl- Plazar 15, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, Plazar 15, yeah. Plazar 15. Um, we get an Ugnaughts or getting Din, you know, honoring Quill. And uh, having the respect, going back to, again, what you have said so many times that I'm going to say it, is every place that Din and Grogu go to, when they leave, they leave it better. Mm-hmm. And and then you add the, the fact that you get some beautiful just Easter eggs visually. You know, you got uh, a chase through the Neon City, which reminds me of Blade Runner. Um, I... <laughs> Little side note, I'm so proud of my wife for this because she got this before I did. The uh, droids that come out, the police droids, after the super battle droid gets shot, the sirens are ripped directly off of Minority Report. After oh, the, are uh, they? Police. And she's like, I've heard that before. Minority Report. I'm like, I, I love you. <laughs> That's awesome. It was uh, just a proud like husband moment. But uh, yeah. I'm yeah, sure David like, Collins some, is somewhere sitting right now going like, yes, <laughs> dude, because I'm sure I tweeted, I, I tweeted him. I tried to be like, hey, is it did you do that? Come on. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still waiting for a response. Yeah. He said that but, he uh, said he did tweet yesterday of like, there's a bunch of audio Easter eggs in this episode. Like this one is full, like chock full of stuff. So if you say that, like if you say. That that it's the it's the siren from Minority Report. I believe it. I believe it. 100%. Oh, it's one hundred percent. Like, like so. My wife said that. I'm like, oh, I think you're like. I was, you know, I'm like I think you got it. But like, I'm like ninety nine percent sure. The next morning or this morning, I I, I checked. I went. I looked up uh, Minority Report. I went to that one scene. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> it's one hundred percent the same sound, and it's not even slightly altered. It is the exact same sound. Um, but yeah, like, so if you're struggling with this episode, um, boys and girls, just, Hey, we got two more episodes coming up. Let's just slow our roll a little bit. Let's enjoy that. We live in this time of star Wars where it can get this weird. We can have blue three POs like, dude, dude, that you blue three PO. I want an action figure of, yeah, <laughs> I desperately want one. Um, and uh yeah i uh the only thing that i if i if i were to ever struggle with anything about this episode is that um i don't know if you agree or disagree with this but i I, there's a part of me that still feels that this episode probably should have been maybe earlier in the season maybe or most of this episode you know where it takes place on the in the planet um but uh 
it would obviously have to take some restructuring of the whole plot, but just seeing maybe between uh, when her castle gets uh, destroyed and she go and they go to see the uh, covert. Um, I don't know. I'm not the writer. Uh, this is a no, lot of Monday these... morning quarterbacking, but it, like yeah. that's like, the only thing that kind of rubbed up where it's like usually in the final like three episodes, you usually start to see even in the um, the prisoner episode, you start to see that the story start focusing a little bit more near the end. And yeah. especially with the nuggets that we got in the f- previous episode, you would think it's going to go this way. And but hey, just like you said, the best thing about Star Wars are the surprises. So like, why not we just lean into yeah. that and kumbaya? It, there's, there's a couple of things here. First of all, if, like from a storytelling perspective, it's actually really important before we go into a tumultuous ending, which it will be like, I guarantee the next two episodes are going to be, there's going to be some dramatic stuff that happens. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. I am completely in the dark at this point of like, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, We need, we do need a break before that happens you need to have you need to have that moment of like just respite of going to quiet fun place and just having like an adventure that these two can handle like it's not this isn't anything because it's going to do two things a it's going to bump up our confidence in our heroes going into the into the third act of the season true um and so we're gonna have this false sense of security so when they drop the hammer it's gonna hit real hard because we're like well din and bo are like the best combo so whatever breaks them apart in this next episode or at least by the end of the season it's gonna feel rough it's gonna feel real bad now that we're here um because we've just been we've been we've been shown and we'll, we'll get into the details of this but we've been shown what the promise of that partnership is and so when when it gets broken when it gets sundered it's going to be painful and we have to have this episode in order for that to happen so i want everybody to understand that the other piece of this that i think is really really important for everybody to understand and internalize is that last week's episode the cap on last week's episode has nothing to do with the Mandalorian. Okay. Nothing to do with the Mandalorian. It is not, that is not the Mandalorian story. There is a through line in the same way that the infinity stones have nothing to do with age of Ultron, right? Except for the fact that the infinity stones are kind of integral to the story in age of Ultron, because obviously Mm -hmm you know, the mind stone and the soul stone. Um, they're not the MacGuffins. They're not the soul stone. It's the mind stone. I guess uh, the mind stone in both instances, right? Like it's, it, that's what brings Ultron to life. And it's also what, what gives vision what he is. Right. So, right. Um, and, and it was also what gave the, the Maximoffs their powers. Right. So it's, it's in there and it's important in the overall infinity saga, but the fact that that is one of the infinity stones is not important in that story necessarily. Right. As a matter of fact, it's so unimportant that they, that, that Tony and, and Bruce very foolishly put it into vision, right. Not understanding (laughs) what they, what they've actually got in front of them, that this is like a cosmic power. So, and they create an all powerful being. by doing so um but like 
it's not like that's not actually what that story is about that story is about ultron it's about the avengers unchecked power and it's what leads to civil war and like it's 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 that story is actually along a different path and then the infinity saga stuff like the thanos stuff is a is a parallel path that's happening at the same time so that's the way that everybody needs to look at this is that the gideon stuff is a parallel path to what's going on with din and Bo and mandalore right and and grogu and then Ahsoka is also another parallel path that is not the same path. They're, it's all going to intersect eventually. They're 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 not. The thing is that they're parallel, but they're not linear. So like these parallel paths are are traveling along the time stream next to each other, but they are winding across one another constantly, right? So Gideon's story, Gideon's story actually ends with. Palpatine being resurrected. That's Gideon's story, right? And so there's these pieces that keep crossing over into Din's story that have to do with cloning and secrets only the Sith knew, right? Like it's it is like it's 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 there. It's happening and we've seen the dudes in the jars and uh, and and Pershing and all of that stuff. It's all like it's all part of the story. It's part of the overall story of Star Wars, but it is not a part of the story of the restoration of Mandalore, right? And reuniting the clans. That's the story that we're actually focused on. And this story this week is actually integral to that story. And and I promise we're gonna get there. But like that that Gideon stuff is happening over here and then the Ahsoka stuff is building towards Ezra and Thrawn right I think that Thrawn ultimately intersects with that Gideon stuff we're gonna see that and I actually think that the next time that we see Gideon will probably be in Ahsoka and not in Mandalorian I don't think we'll see him at the end of this season if we do, it'll be like the very, very end of the season and it'll be something that's teasing towards Ahsoka. Um, if not in Ahsoka, I think maybe the next time we see him is in Skeleton Crew because we really don't know anything about that story yet. But it, we do know that it's connected to the rest of these stories, right? These are all parallel stories that are happening that will intersect and eventually come together in an ultimate, like, 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 event they've told us that that's what they want to do right so we're going to get our infinity war end game out of this but i think this is what i need to say to everybody it's like you're trapped in the ray shield what's the play and what does anakin say patience r2 will be along any second right like just patience Patience. you guys r2 will be along any second like it's gonna happen all of these things are going to come to fruition. It's all going to make sense in hindsight. Stop setting yourself up for disappointment by creating false expectations, right? Expectations can be okay. Hype is good. Hype is a good yeah. thing. It, it's fun. It's part of the fun of all of this. Star Wars Celebration is this week, right? Starts starts Friday, technically, Friday, right? Yeah. Um. So like we got good stuff coming to us and that hype is fun. It's a, it is a, it is a part of the experience, but don't let that hype overshadow what is the actual story. Right. 
And so every Wednesday when you sit down to watch the Mandalorian or Andor or Ahsoka or Bad Batch or any of these things, I implore everybody clear the chamber, go in fresh, no expectations. What's it going to be this week? I have learned to do that and it has enhanced my ability to enjoy these shows so much more. Um, The other thing is to accept them for what they are and stop trying to make them something that they aren't. Mando is never going to be Andor. Book of Boba Fett's never going to be Mando. The Bad Batch is never going to be any of those things. And Mando's not going to be Bad Batch either. These shows all have their own personalities. They all have their own goals. And sometimes those goals get lost, right? Mando season two, I think the goal was lost a little bit. Forest kind of lost the forest for the trees a little bit on that one. I still like a lot of it, but it's unfocused as opposed to this season, which is laser focused. I think that people just don't like what it's laser focused on Um, the people who are, are detractors. Right. But I think that like people who understand myth and they understand the, the way that this story is trending are all about it. So let it be what it's going to be. Let it tell the stories that it wants to tell and stop trying to impose your will on it here's here's what it comes down to at the end of the day you don't get to make star wars right if you have a problem with that that is perfectly fine george wanted to make flash gordon and he couldn't make flash gordon so he turned around and he told a story that is every bit as good as any flash gordon and a million times better Right. He turned around and he created Star Wars out of that frustration and he pulled together everything he loved about everything that he loved and made the most successful film franchise in the history of the world. Right. That like, I don't know that anything will ever outdo it as much as the MCU is a juggernaut today. Still not Star Wars. It's still not Star Wars. You guys and I, you know, you know, (laughs) I love the MCU. Tony Stark is like in my bones at this point, right? Like that character means a lot to me Um, as much as Obi-Wan, as much as Superman, like really honestly, like it's like I have my own Holy Trinity and it's those three characters, Um, but it's still not Star Wars because like at the end of the day, Obi-Wan is number one in that Trinity. Like it's Obi-Wan, Superman, Tony Stark. Like that's, that's the order. Um, and those are like the characters that like I live my life by, right? Um, but Obi-Wan will always be number one because Star Wars will always be number one because Star Wars has something that the MCU doesn't have, which is that like Star Wars has has peace and purpose, right? And it loses it every once in a while because it's flawed and human beings are flawed and and uh, that's the way it's going to be. And sometimes it's going to lose that piece and purpose uh, and, and get bogged down in the politics of fan reactions. And, you know, what do we need Reality. to do to set up this? Yeah. It's just like, it's a business because, and because it's a business, it's corrupted and it's going to get corrupted. But, but ultimately star Wars has a reason to exist. It has, and, and, and you just need, you just need to get refocused on it every once in a while. This season definitely has. Um, 
I, yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, uh, just going back to what you were saying about, uh, yeah. you know, throw everything out the window when it comes to just in, in, try to enjoy for what it is. Uh, one thing that I do, I don't even watch the intros uh, videos. Um, I go right into the Lucasfilm titles. I don't go into the previously on. I don't watch. Oh, yeah. That. I don't want to get uh, not like necessarily spoiled, spoiled almost. Yeah. But yeah. being an I get editor. It. And knowing like how the sausage is made a little bit, I could I could kind of track stuff uh, very much how you are with themes, uh, visually, um, with lighting. Even I, I could kind of track stuff. So it's like it's one of those things where I'm like, I'll watch the previously on on my second viewing, hmm. and uh, that helps me because um, then there are moments where I mean I was completely blown away that uh we saw axe woes and Costco reeves and uh yeah i would have been technically spoiled by that by the previously on so i like to just jump in immediately into uh, the story and uh yeah I get yeah that. especially since this is a show that i know so well i don't need a previously on i, really <laughs> yeah. don't. I mean yeah. let's let's yeah. i mean We've seen these episodes multiple times, seasons multiple times, right? I've like seen, I think I've seen the Marshall episode about 15 times. Oh, yeah. Dude, I couldn't count it because, like, I'll just, like, I can't it, count it. I'll just put on the Marshall. Like, I treat it like a, like one of the movies. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling kind of down today. You know what I'll do? I'll watch the Marshall because it's just – the Marshall is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Like, it's probably, yep. like, top three. Um because it's like solo the last jedi and then the marshal because i just love that story it's just so tight it's so good um, it's tight yeah. the, the music uh ludwig gorenson i don't think has ever i mean he, he's amazing but yeah. cob vance theme is uh, i could listen to that on repeat it's um, the top whatever it's the top i agree i agree 100 trekking through the desert on their speeder yeah. bikes and even before because i mean the, the theme kind of comes in earlier before he even goes to mos pelgo i I'm just like, man, this is such a good time. And then kind of is a perfect kind of segue to one of my other points about this episode. And again, a little bit more therapy for everyone that had a, anyone that had an issue with this episode. Um, go back to season one, the way that that season kind of played out. You get your first three episodes, which are basically a trilogy of episodes. Like, mm -hmm. you know, him saving Grogu and uh, whatnot. Sanctuary was kind of a transitional episode. Again, Bryce Dallas Howard. But Go back to that feeling of watching the gunslinger which we previously mentioned in chapter five and again going back to that tonal shift where we get introduced to uh pelimoto who uh some people mm -hmm. and not on this podcast but some people had issues with yeah uh, because of the tone and shift and whatnot and 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 how i mean put it this way first think about how you thought of Pelimoto that back then and versus how you think of her now. I feel like uh plays R15 might become a place that the characters could return to in the future. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, we, we could be excited for that. And then yeah. also it could also be something that it could be like the nowhere of the MCU where you build this place up and then it gets decimated. You know, in the future, something terrible could happen, and then we'll have that sense of loss with that community that we just met. Um, so things could happen, things are there for a reason. Let's just you know, let yeah. the living force kind of flow, you know, just let's learn to yeah. let go. Let's, um, let's, <laughs> let's actually let's let's talk about the purpose of, of Epcot Planet and its rulers, actually. Um, yes, 
Because listen, if you don't understand that that planet is literally Epcot, like that those cities, like the city is literally, so Epcot, for those people who don't know, is the experimental prototype city of tomorrow. That's what Epcot stands for. And Epcot as it is now is not what it was meant to be. Epcot was literally like Walt had an idea of a city, an actual city that he was going to build that was completely self-sustaining and self-contained in Mm -hmm. Florida completely climate controlled in a dome like in a biodome that like that was humidity controlled temperature controlled like he had this futurist idea of this city that he wanted to build and obviously it, it never happened and nothing like it has ever happened um but the idea still persists um in the in the hearts and minds of 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 disney fanatics right and so when we see this city and it's the monorail and it's the, the dome and it's a utopia, but it's a utopia built on a false ideal and all that. I'm just like, this is this, the commentary here is actually like a one steak sauce. Uh, so good. So, so good. I, and then we meet Jack Black and Lizzo's characters uh, who are these, um, they're, they're elected. She's so, a duchess. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Bombardier and the duchess is simply what they're named. Um, they are elected, but they are elected royalty. Right. And so like, it's the best of both worlds. There's, they've got the pomp and circumstance of royalty, but they are elected officials. And this is a perfect democratic society. Everybody makes choices right by uh, stepping back just a really quickly to the cold open and this romeo and juliet story of the quarren and the mon cal um that is to set the tone that is to let us know what this episode is about this episode this episode is actually a date is a first date it's a it is the beginning of a romance it is the beginning of a love affair uh, I think I believe. Um, oh, I have and a, so I have a moment where she flirts right at him, and I have the line written. But we'll get to that if you. Yeah, want yeah, to. yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. Um, I mean, there, I there, as far as I'm concerned, there's a confession of love at the end of the episode. We've already talked about it, but I, I, it's just like it's the way that Mandalorians express themselves. <laughs> I, but we are introduced, so we we get to see this first. We get to see these these star-crossed lovers. Um, and, 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 you know, the, there's the moment of like, uh, like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Love will find a way sort of thing. Um, as he's, as he's pulled away by these Mandalorians and it's just as great, it's just as great moments of like, this is not important to the story, except that it's integral to the story. So like, I hope everybody's paying attention to the themes because the plot part of it is not what's important. It's the theme that's important. Um, and then, and then we meet, we meet bombardier and and the duchess and um we are presented with these two characters who are a couple they are lovers they are husband and wife uh and they they rule over these people but they rule in a just and uh, uh, democratic way right they've created a perfect society um except for the fact that the the droids are 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 going crazy um and 
causing all sorts of havoc. So we got to we got to we got to fix this. Which real, the, real fast. I love how the havoc, by the way, for the first couple were like you know dropping boxes and missing the garbage. Yeah. Um, but and then it gets obviously worse. But I just love how like that's how where the society is at, where dropping uh, you know the the luggage and the, the cases or yeah. the garbage is enough to be like this is a problem and we need to fix it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, look, they cut away with the sushi droid, right? Like they, they cut yeah, away yeah, exactly, and and the looks on their faces is like that didn't go well. That didn't end. <laughs> People got hurt <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, it is very like comedic because there's like I I. It, it was intentional. The garbage droid is an intentional meme reference. There's a meme of a garbage truck that's like one of those automated garbage trucks and it yeah, like takes yeah, the yeah. garbage can up and it just like flings it back and forth and just <laughs> makes a ridiculous mess. And it's just like that's exactly what they mirrored. But going back to 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 the Duchess and and the captain. Yes. Yeah, uh, the they these characters exist in this story to show din and Bo, what they could be that's why they're there these so literary the literary term for this very shakespearean way of doing it which star wars is shakespearean uh the best star wars is very shakespearean they are foils for din and and Bo. like 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 quite literally like you've got You've got this guy who was a part of the Imperial War Machine, right? Although he was a he was an administrator, it's not really who he is, but um, you know he's and he's and he's turned that skill. Um, given the opportunity, he's turned that skill uh, for good, right? Like it's it's a like it, like he's he's bent it for for to to make a better world for people, um, which is great. Right. Um, it's just it just shows that like the empire was corrupt, but the people in the empire ne- weren't necessarily not everybody. Right. Um, and then and then and then we literally have like this character is called the Duchess. How like how much more obvious do you need to get that this is a foil for Bo of like you can like like you have this power. You are the Duchess of Mandalore. You are. I I. So yeah, like these characters literally like the purpose of them existing and they're comedic and they're silly and they're removed from the literal mirror reflection of Din and Bo, but they are, but they, they are Din and Bo. They are actually the best versions of those characters. If you took away their trauma and their baggage and the weird Mandalorianness of it all. It's like, that's who these two characters are. Right. Um, and, and you know how I know that for sure? Hmm. Because Din is like, I don't know. He's like, he's kind of, he's, he's kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, careful about who, about who he like, like you got to give Grogu time. He'll come to you. And it, the, he says that she's, she like, she's like, I got this little fishy and he just flips and he's like, no, no, I'm safe with these people. Like they, yeah. like they're good. Like, like it's okay. Like mom and Pelly dad and everything. Yeah. You yeah. can leave yeah. me yeah. with You're these right. two. Like just like Pelly, right? Cause Pelly is, is aunt Pelly, right? Like that's, she's auntie Pelly. And that's like, again, don't argue with me on this one. It's a fact. That's that's objective. That is not subjective. That is objective. And he leaps into Lizzo's arms, into the Duchess's arms in the exact same way because 
He's a he like let's not forget Grogu is also a Jedi. He can sense their feelings. He knows. No, these are good people. Like these are good people. Trust them, right? And that's our signal as the audience of like, don't worry about these two. I know you yeah. want to be suspicious of, of everybody because we've been trained with mystery boxes and what a twist and all of this nonsense that like, oh, don't do, don't do it. And it's like, no, no. This is Bryce and John saying to the audience, you can trust them. Grogu, trust them. Don't worry about it. Because we know, like, because Grogu, like, listen, if Grogu don't like you, he, he bite. <laughs> right. <coughs> because he, he bites grief, doesn't he? Isn't, isn't that, um, isn't there a moment? He bites the, uh, the scout troopers and, uh, he bites the, the scout trooper. That's season right. one. Yeah. Um, um I don't know if he but isn't isn't there grief. a moment? Isn't there a moment with grief where? Or no, I, I guess because because Grogu's he, not with them. No, yeah, that's the, the first the time season. that they actually touch is when he heals him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then after that, it's you know magic hand thing, and then then I think the next time after that is in season two where you know it picks yeah, him up yeah. like you know a grandchild. But, but it's I know you know it's the other way around. It's not that Grogu has a problem with grief. It's that grief is scared of Grogu, right? Um, yeah, he's yeah. like, he's like, he's gonna what eat what's me. It, that's what it what's was. he doing? He's going to eat me. Yeah. Um, uh, that's what I'm thinking of. And I, I'm just conflating that with the biting one of the scout troopers for sure on the, I, cause yeah. I can picture like the glove. Right. Um, it's like, ah, you bit me. It's like through the glove. <laughs> Grogu's got yeah. some powerful jaws. Um, but that's exactly it. Right. It's like, it's like Grogu is a good judge of character. Right. I, I mean, I, her headpiece is the uh, is the shape of a heart, so it's like she's like a good version of the Queen of Hearts, really. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. The there end, is, you know, you know, you you nailed it. There is a little bit of like an Alice in Wonderland, like down the rabbit hole, sort of component to this world, right? Where totally. like they go, they get into these things, and they go into this other. If they they're transported. That good call. Solid, solid pull. Hundred percent. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, like 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 these characters, like these two characters, they are they are meant to represent what Din and Bo could be for Mandalore. I like that. I didn't ever I never thought about that way, and I, I really yeah. like that because, um, again, and, and, and what I love about it is that it's not overt, it's not overtly sexual or anything like that. There's yeah. some flirtation, very little, very subtle. There, there's this yep. one moment where after she picks up the the matchbox or whatever you want to call it. I forget what it's called um, where she picks it up and she's like, and there's an address and just, she does this yeah. look and shoulder like head turn. It was just like, there's something there. But what I love about it is that just because there's a possibility of something romantic between them, the way they express themselves, again, you hit the nail on the head at the very end. It's kind of like a declaration of love, but it's the way Mandalorians do it. It's not going to be all mm -hmm. lovey dovey and, you know, touchy feely. Um, not to say that that won't happen or won't. It's just there's a different way of expressing love, and they're, I believe, on the same page. I mean, even in the previous episode in the pirate where uh, they're in the cave, you know, they're they're pretty close. You know, their mm -hmm. body language, like language is not just words, ladies and gentlemen. It's also yeah. body language and yeah. the way they lean on each other and act and their their comfort especially after um uh, episode two where they or sorry um you know i mean um episode two of the season where they're in uh, yeah. mandalore the minds of mandalore chapter 18 they're they've gotten really comfortable with each other and 
like going back to that family unit with the three of them, but specifically with the two of them, their body language has gone way more comfortable than they were ever uh, previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, it's. I mean, like, and that is people don't get it. People don't get it. What's going on with Din? Why is his character like his character is not progressing? It's like, I don't know what show you guys are watching. It's not about him as an individual anymore, right? That that time is done. Season two, that ended. He took his helmet off. He said goodbye to Grogu. And now what it's what it's about is not about him becoming a better Mandalorian or, you know, like a father to Grogu. That's done. We did it. He's, he's Grogu's dad, right? Mm-hmm. What is now important is that they that they build a family. Right. And that family is a found family and it's and and it is like it it is what it is and it's going to be what it's going to be. It's not going to be traditional. (laughs) So, like, get that out of your head, everybody. But it is going to be meaningful. Right. And so these two characters coming together in the way that they have really around Grogu, like with him as the as the glue that's holding it together. it, it's I, I don't know. I just think that there's something special going on here. That's the arc of the season so far. That's what the season's been about. And their union as characters is representative of all of Mandalore coming back together because he is of one path and she's of another path. And if they can reconcile that, then they can all reconcile that. That's what it's about. your feet. There's your thesis statement, man. Well said. Well said. Apply. Right. I don't want like to clap that. because I don't want to. Okay. Well done. <laughs> it's, it's, and again, like this is where it's like I'm so frustrated because I'm watching this and I'm like, this could not be more clear to me. This is actually, it's really funny because it's actually the opposite of what happened with Willow because I was sitting there with Willow going like, no one else is gonna care. No one else is gonna love this. If this is gonna be for me and me alone, we're gonna get one season, and I'm gonna be by myself. And then all of a sudden, I turned around, and Marie Claire was like, "Oh my god, I love Willow, like the like the movie. Like I can't wait for the series." And I'm like, "Oh really? Right. You you do? Like oh, I hope that you like the show. I hope that you like the show. I hope I'm not alone." And I got to see this the the I got access to the season early, right? And um watched a few episodes and was like, I got to stop. I got to stop because I need to share this with other people. I cannot do this by myself. I need the community around me. Cause that's literally what this story is about. And to be like vindicated in that and have so many of my friends go in and watch Willow and be like, yeah, no, this is, this is the jam. This is exactly what it is. This is the best star Wars we've gotten in a long time sort of thing. Right. <laughs> um, and then to turn around and get Mando and it's like, like, don't get me wrong. We've got a lot of people that are getting it this season and that are on the same page. And, and that makes me really happy, but I'm also seeing a lot of people that, that aren't getting it, that still aren't getting it. And it's like, and some of those people are like people that I really wish would get it, you know? But, but here's the thing. It's like with those types of people <laughs> in that case, that's where we can let go where it's just, you know, yeah. all we can do is really, you know, enjoy it. And if, you know, we hear some, not so nice things on Twitter or whatnot. It was just like, well, that's their opinion. We can only guide them so far. I work, I work with some guys that they, they like star Wars, but they like the pew, pew, pew. And you know, yeah. when uh, the, the convert episode happened, it was like, what was that episode about? I'm like, 
did you not watch it? Well, yeah, but you know, nothing really happened. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so yeah. I have to have these conversations. And again, you know, I, I, we haven't talked about Willow or anything, but uh, yeah. I, I feel the same way. Um, I actually didn't grow up with that film, but I watched it later in life. And I love, especially after the second or third time, you know, watching it, it's just like, man, this is a, just a great movie. And I, I actually really, really love the movie uh, to the point where like there, there's uh, I'm trying to get other guys, uh, other friends of mine to enjoy it. But then the show happened and it was just this such a unique experience. And uh, um, I'm and we don't have to go on a willow tangent here, but man, do I hope that there's some form of season two or volume two or whatever, whatever we get it in a book or comic or something. Because really oh, no, no, they're going to make the show. They're going to they're gonna make the season. They're going to make season two. It's just a matter of when. Um, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Patience again. Patience. 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 Is so it's important. Always about patience. So important. We had, to, we had to wait more than thirty years for the sequel to Willow, and we got it. And we'll get season two. We will get volume two of this story. It's coming. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just scheduling. Uh, yeah, it, that's that's really. I think that's really what it comes down to right now. So um, don't I do say to everybody, don't do not worry about Willow season two. I know the last time that we talked about Willow in a major way on on the podcast, it, we were in that place of like, oh, I hope that we get it. And then they we got the false cancellation notice. And then John Kasdan came back out and it was like, no, 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 no. The show has not been canceled. It is on a hiatus. We released the actors so that they can go do other stuff while we get our ducks in a row. That's right? such but a great message from him. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, it's like, no, no, Lucasfilm wants to do this. Disney wants to do this, but it's like, we're going to, we're not going to do it. Really what it comes down to with that is that they're not going to do it until they can do it right. And it's going to be bigger and it's going to be crazier and, and better than the first season, which is exactly what you want to hear. And he's written it all and it's like, it's there. Right. So they'll get to it when they get to it. I'm, I'm it'll, it'll be worth the wait. So don't worry about it. Um, one more but thing, yeah, real fast. Uh, uh, There's yeah. one thing I wanted to mention earlier when you were mentioning uh, the um, patience uh, notion. Where um, going back to the last episode, those nuggets that you know may eventually go yeah. into a Mandalorian, Star Wars, Infinity War type of thing. Um, go back to this in Chapter 17 with the Purgles. You know, we that has not come up again because it's not meant for this show. It's not meant for this story, but it's planting seeds for something more it was something i wanted to say earlier but yeah, yeah. i never want to interrupt you <laughs> no no it's all good i mean like the purgles the the purgles to me are are so clear i mean like that's the connection to ezra right it's a direct connection to ezra and um it to me i said this on the podcast at the time that is that is a great example of the living force communicating with Grogu because I think that there was a little bit of a, of a thing of like, is Grogu really in the right place? Did he make the right choice? And for the audience, that was, that was Grogu communing with the force, which, which is why Din is asleep in that moment. Right. Yeah. Because that is, that is the force telling Grogu, giving him this, this window into something special into a special moment to confirm to him, you're in the right place. You're where you belong. Right. And again, uh, that's it's such a great thing to bring up right now because it is a confirmation of what this season is about, which is about like the coming together of this family. Right. And I think like this is the thing. Ultimately, I think like Boba is part of that family. Fennec is part of that family. Right. 
like when we will see mm-hmm. that Cobb is part of that family. I, I, I grief is obviously grief is grief is a grandpa. Like that's the thing is that like grief is, is part of Din and Grogu's family. Um, and, and yeah. And like them having, having a home on, on, I, 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 Oh my God. I, Navarro. Navarro. Um, like that's it's important for that reason. I uh, it's not important because it's because it's Navarro. It's important because it's grief, right? Like grief is family and family is home. Like that's what that is. So for him to say like you you've got a tract of land whenever you want it, and for them to come back and say we're gonna we're gonna do that, and the Mandalorians to put down roots on Navarro is very much a confirmation of what this season is about. Um, and so people people want to act like this episode again like there's there are some fun trappings and we get into the 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 second act of this episode is the csi is a three act csi episode inside an episode it's like a nesting doll right because it's like what's this episode about this episode is about Bo going and getting the the night owls and bringing them into the fold right that's what this episode's about Right. In order to do that, they got to go into the city. So, okay, we're going to go into the city. So what's going on in the city? Well, we've got this stuff with thematically with, with uh, the Duchess and, and, and Captain Bombardier and, and uh, I, you know, like the, like, what's that, what does that mean? So that's the next layer of it. And then the next layer inside of that is well, actually, we need you to do this thing. And then there's a layer inside of that, which is this idea of the new Republic, this continued idea that the new Republic is just the empire with a different face on, right? It's like, because the Republic was corrupt. The Republic was a problem as much as like the, you know, like Obi-Wan's thing of like, uh, my, my, my allegiance is to democracy to, to, to the, to the Republic. Right. It's like, but the Republic was broken. The Republic had fallen apart, right. That M that empire had begun to crumble and Palpatine took advantage of that to establish his empire on top of its grave. Right. But Mm -hmm. the new Republic is just once again, it's just Rome has just built another city on top of the bones of the city underneath it. Right. And it's like, there's, there's the thing of like, they, they try and build um, an underground rail system in Rome. Right. And every time they, they, every time they dig, they have to stop because they hit some pocket of like, Oh my God, there's a, piece of the old city here and the archaeologists have to come in and preserve things and it's like you can't you can't do this here right um because it's just like that that city is just built on the ruins of the ruins of the ruins of the ruins and that's and and what is rome now i mean like the vatican sits on top of that and the vatican is like sorry catholics but totally not sorry because like your system of religion is uh, built on a corrupt, disgusting uh, uh, pile of bodies. Uh, it's it's it is corrupt. It's every bit as bad as any religion could possibly be, and it's a gilded city in in a world where there are people starving and dying every day because of lack of resources. You've got the Vatican built on top of you know all of this stuff, and it's like there's literally gold on the walls in the Vatican like get out of my face that's literally what 
not to get on a religious thing, but that's like, like this is scriptural. That is literally what he busted into the temple and was like, you guys messed this up. This is wrong. This is incorrect. Uh, and, uh, uh, and yet, you know, the Pope sits on a throne with a, it's not a crown. It's a big hat. Well, it's a, it sits on at the top of his head. So it's the same thing. Um, yeah. Anyways, not to get off on a whole other tangent, but well, you know, not to but the, the analogy the there is yeah. is like like the republic is is built on that. No different than like I uh, the current you know Western world is built like we we have civilizations that are built on the backs of genocide, right? Like 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 that's like that is the the foundation. And it's not just America. It's not just America, right? It's all of the the colonial countries are the foundation of those countries of the, of the civilization that we live in is genocide. It is taking land away from the indigenous culture, destroying that culture and subjugating it when you can't destroy it. Right. Um, And that's, that's the world that we live in. So like that is, that is the Republic. That's the old Republic. It's the empire and it's the new Republic. It's, it has not changed. And that theme is there in Christopher Lloyd's character. Hellgate's not wrong. Right. I've, I said this on our, on over on rebel cells, when we were talking about tales of the Jedi, we're at an hour and 40 and I don't even feel like we're close to done. I love this. This is a fantastic episode. Um, <laughs> Because now we're getting into separatist ideology and it's like the separatists weren't wrong. The separatists weren't wrong. The problem is that they didn't realize that they were being led by a Sith Lord who was ultimately after power, not freedom. Right. But that's, but that's the trick of the dark side. What is the Sith code? Right. Like it's about breaking my chains. Like go, like go read the Sith code and understand why the Sith think they're the good guys. And that's what makes them interesting villains is that like Palpatine doesn't see himself as a bad guy. Palpatine sees himself as correcting the wrongs of the galaxy, right? With law and order and his brand of justice. And he's racist and xenophobic. So he's like, take those Wookiees and put them to work building my death star so that we can subjugate more people. But we're subjugating them to bring peace you guys right it's yep. exactly what my vision of peace yes it's it's exactly what anakin says in attack of the clones that padme kind of brushes off it's a huge red flag but she just goes like you're messing with me right yeah. um when he's like he's like i don't know i think that everybody should just sit down discuss the problem and decide what's in the best interest of everyone and then do that. And Padme's like, that's what we do, but it's not that easy because people don't always agree. And he's like, well, then someone should make them agree. Yep. <laughs> it's like, <coughs> oh boy, man. Who? Yeah. Like red flag hit the nail on the head. And then she's like, you're, you're messing with me. And he's like, yeah, I guess I am. And it's like, no, he's not. That was real. That was it. That was real. That was the real Anakin Skywalker. It's you cannot yeah. give this much power to a kid who is this traumatized without dealing with that trauma. Come on, Yoda, you should have done a better job of this. He came to you and said he was having problems. And you said, eh, you know, I think you should probably just not worry about it. 
I think that's what you should do. I think the solution here is to just not worry about it. And it's like, ooh, he just confessed a lot of stuff to you, Yoda. You probably should have paid more attention to that. It's on you. That's on you. Those dead younglings, they're on you, Yoda. Um, and Yoda gets that, and he's like, that's cool. I'm going to take no responsibility for this and go live on Dagobah. Uh, Obi-Wan, you watch that one kid, and I, I don't know, the girl, she'll be fine. Uh, yeah, we got this. Cool, she bye. Doesn't, she doesn't need a protector. It's fine. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go hide. I'm going to go sit in the hole. And when this kid comes to me, I'm going to be like, no, no, I don't want to do this. Um, yeah. Yoda is not a paragon of anything. Uh, he becomes the Yoda that we know by the time we get to Empire because he's had to kind of repent of everything that's gone. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that Yoda is truly enlightened again, not to get off on a completely random tangent. I don't think that we see a truly enlightened Yoda until we see him in the last Jedi. We see him in the last Mm. Jedi and that Yoda is one with the force and truly has perspective and understands. And when he passes that lesson on to Luke and he goes, no, 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 you miss You misunderstood what I had to say. Like pass on what you've learned. Yes. The Jedi, the force, whatever, but the failure, that's what you pass on. That's what, That's and 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 there's a moment there of like and because he's enlightened and because he's a Buddha in that moment, he's not he's not going to get down on himself and be like, I screwed up. He's going to say to Luke in that moment, he's like, you're still here. You're still in this corporeal world. You're still this crude matter. Right. So like, I'm going to I'm going to teach you a thing that I didn't learn until it was too late. Right. It was just really what he's saying It's a little bit of a confession on Yoda's part. The last Jedi is the gift that just keeps on giving you guys. Um where he's he's like no failure the most important lesson lesson of all is failure right like right just genius stuff like listen this is the thing the people who don't get this episode are also the people who don't get the last jedi and they're also the people who don't get why solo is the best star wars movie and it just like i don't know man I don't know. Maybe it is pure arrogance and maybe I'm wrong to think that I understand George's vision better than other people. But I honestly, I honestly believe that, that like, and I don't think that I'm the one who understands it the best. I wouldn't be that arrogant, but I am, I am arrogant enough to say that I think that I understand it a lot better than a lot of people who claim to be massive star Wars fans. You were talking about like your friends at work and it's like, they like star Wars. And I, and I like to, to sort of categorize in this way of like, there are, and I've said this for years, it's totally fine. This is not a judgment and it's also not gatekeeping because I'm not saying that you're not allowed to anything with anything star Wars. What I am saying is that I think it's important for people to accept that some of you just like star Wars, right? Like it's just a thing that you like. And so a lot of that is the trappings. A lot of that is the laser swords and the the Millennium Falcon and X-Wings and Darth Vader and Boba Fett. And, you know, like we're talking about like the very surface parts of it. And that's okay. That's fine. If that's what you get out of it, that's what you get out of it. And, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And maybe you're not ready. You're not there. And then you there's a level Zorro, of, didn't you? <laughs> it's it, well, I mean, like it's a. I think it's like a Confucius I, I, I thing know, or something like that. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know it from Zorro. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, 
but I, I like it's. I think it's a Taoist principle, or it's either Taoist or, or Confucius. Confucius. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to Google it, but it's one of those. I, I. When the people are ready, the master will appear. Yeah. 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 When the yeah, it, like it, it, it's 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 okay to not be ready for what Star Wars has to teach you. Um, and some people, it's like they are just there for the surface stuff. And then there's another level of it where it's like you are like you're you're at the beginning of that and you i don't want to use the word star wars fan because i think everybody anybody can call themselves a star wars fan that's fine but i do think that there are students of star wars right and i think those students of star wars understand what they don't understand there's a thing called the dunning kruger effect which is like it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an arc it's a it's a parabola of understanding and it's like you get to a point there's there's where you have enough information about something that you think that you know what you're talking about and i and and this you you encounter this in in business a lot of people who get they gain a little bit of knowledge on a subject matter and they think that they are a subject matter expert and then you crest that it's almost like you can't you actually can't see how how tall the hill is until you get to the top. So you're all, you're constantly thinking like, Oh, I'm at the top because you're not looking forward at how much more you have to learn. You're blind to that. You're looking backwards at how far you've come. So you're constantly looking backwards. Of like if you, if you picture yourself on, on the side of a hill and you're climbing up the hill and you're constantly looking down at how far you've come. And so you get to a certain point, you're like, I'm up really high. I must know what I'm talking about. Right. And you, but you yeah. don't because you haven't turned around to look and see that the mountain is above the clouds, right? Like, and you can't even see the peak of this thing. And then you, you start to, you get into the clouds and you start to understand, oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not even close to the top of this thing. I, now right. I know what I don't know. Before I didn't know what I didn't know, right? But now I know what I don't know. And then you hit the top, you get to the peak of that. And that's where it's like, you can understand, um, you understand the whole thing, right? Like you can see, you can right. see the, the, the entirety of it, but it's on the other side of that coming back down that you start to hit the level of like, I know this backwards and forwards inside and out. And yet there's still so much more right like there's still there's still so much that i that i can't understand and that i need to keep learning and you and you keep going as a as a as a as a master of it right and it's like there's this is, this is the jedi journey as well right um right from padawan right. to knight to jedi master and it's like and anakin was at that point of like he had all of the power he could see everything but he couldn't understand why he wasn't a master yet right it's the same sort of thing so i kind of look at it and I think maybe that's actually probably a really good way to look at it. And a really good analogy for it is that Padawan Knight master uh, uh, perspective. And I personally feel that I'm at that master level with star Wars. I've been talking about it on podcasts for 15 years. I, I I've examined it and I've been wrong and I've learned from my mistakes. And I can tell you that like, I know exactly what I know and I know what I don't know. And I know where my gaps are, but like I know I can have the confidence now to say fully unequivocally objectively 
it's a fact. This episode of The Mandalorian is the most George Lucas episode of The Mandalorian. It's the most George Lucas piece of live action content that we've gotten aside from uh, uh, The Last Jedi. Which uh, there's so many similarities between where The Mandalorian goes and where The Last Jedi goes. And the reasons why people bounce off of it. Uh, bounce off of both of those things and it's like to me like here here's what it comes down to the most george lucas part of the last jedi is not ray and kylo it's not luke it's not leia it's not poe it's I not Finn. i guess yeah go ahead who, who, who which character in the last jedi is the most george lucas character rose it's it's rose and it's the moment the when Canto she's looking scene. out in, in Canto Bite and she says, yeah. like, like Finn is like, I don't get it. Like, this place is beautiful. What's your problem? And she's like, look closer. Look closer yep. and see what see it through the eyes of the people at the bottom of of the pile. And he does. And she's and she says, Lord, I just want to put my fist through this whole beautiful town. Right. Like she just like she yep. and it's so, it's understated. And like Kelly Marie Tran does not get enough credit for this. And it's a thing that so many of my friends are like, oh, I hate those scenes. It's so on the nose. And it's like, yeah, it is because we cannot seem to figure this one out. We cannot seem to learn this lesson that the things, so many of the things that we create and the things that make us comfortable are built on the backs of other people's oppression and subjugation. That's what it is, well, right? It's not about that. They, they want to ignore that. It, yeah, exactly. That, that's the reality of it. That, that's why they don't want to focus on it. Anytime I've ever had any or conversations in the past with people of opposing views or whatnot, uh, whether it's about politics or religion, yeah. It's whenever it gets to the point of, well, this, I don't like how this story played out because it was too political. No, yeah. you just didn't like it because it disagreed with your views. It forced That's you to confront something in yourself that you know is wrong. You know, it's wrong. You're, you know, it's wrong and yeah. you're scared. You're going back to fear. The yeah. Dark side. It's all the uh, same. It's all part of this. Let, let <laughs> me let, let me take this to a really crazy place for a second, but it's the thing that I've been thinking about a lot, especially like it was so a couple of days ago it was I uh, uh, the trans day of visibility, right? Like so I right. I meaning like, you know, like like take a moment, recognize trans people exist, they uh deserve to be happy, they deserve everything that everybody else deserves because trans rights or human rights right like all of that stuff and i just whenever i think about this stuff and i think about what's going on in the united states right now and it's going on to a certain degree here and and in the uk and in a lot of places with transphobia it's it, it's it's male fragility right uh and it's like that male fragility is fueling that fear because these guys literally cannot get over the idea that they would see a trans woman and be attracted to that woman and and like that hey guess what doesn't actually matter it's not a big deal yeah. it doesn't it doesn't it, it it actually changes absolutely nothing right like to to see a trans woman and be like hmm, she's hot yeah right and it's like yeah but that's but and I, this is me paraphrasing what these people believe in and think this is not my thought right their thought is, but that's not a real woman. 
that woman is blank, right? Like, you know, you guys know what I'm getting at. And that's their fear. That's their fear is that all of a sudden now I'm gay. Now I'm gay because I feel this way. Right. And it's like that fear turns into transphobia and that transphobia turns into aggression against trans people. And like, like that's what it's, it is. It's so difficult to deal with. It's so difficult. It's what you were talking about earlier of like people like you cannot, you cannot make people change their minds on this stuff. They have to do it themselves, but they're currently in a place of fear. They're ruled by the dark side and it can't be, Luke didn't make Vader choose to save him. It was a choice that Anakin had to make for himself, right? To sacrifice yep. himself in order to save his son uh, and the galaxy, right? And and to end the, the reign of the Emperor. And it's like, it's got to be the same thing for everybody. But, but what it comes down to and the, like the reality of it is that our society is teaching us that to be a man, you have to be these certain things, which is so false. And the patriarchy just sucks. It's the patriarchy. I'm starting to think is actually worse for men than it is for women. And because of that, we do horrible things to women. Right. And, and that's like, that's what people are fighting against is that is that reality is that the patriarchy actually like subjugates men in a way that's way more insidious because it's harder to see than the way that it subjugates women. And if we could see that and realize that like, that's actually the source of so many of our problems that, that we could like move past it. And this is all, like, I'm going to tie this all back into the Mandalorian. I promise you. Oh, I know I, you <laughs> I, because at the end of the day, that transphobia is coming out of that insecurity because the patriarchy is telling you that in order to be a man, you have to be heterosexual. You have to be dominant. You have to be powerful. You have to have no emotions Right. And so like, like all of these things create an environment in which you see a trans person and it's, it's an affront to all of that other stuff. And it's, and it preys immediately on that insecurity. And this is all from the male perspective, because there's transphobia from the female perspective as well. They, they, that I can't say that I can understand and, and you would need to talk to a, a woman about it um, in order to get that perspective. I'm not going to speak f- for that segment of the population, but I can say that from the male perspective, this is absolutely what it is. And I know this because I can look back at it and go like, absolutely, absolutely. I used to have that reaction of like, there's a term on the internet of like, Oh, that's like, it's a trap, right? Like that person's a trap. Because it's like, because they're a passing, like a, a a femme passing trans woman, right? So you're like, oh, like, like, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know sort of thing. And it's like that, oh, gross, right? That was the attitude. And definitely like 10 years ago, that would have been my perspective. And I'm ashamed of that. But I'm also like, I'm ashamed of it. But it's a thing that makes me proud of where I am now, where I can say like, actually, a hot woman's a hot woman and I really don't care about what's between their legs. That's not, that's not part of the equation um, because that's way down the line of like seeing somebody and being like, Oh, that person is aesthetically pleasing. Right. Um, and being able to say, 
that you know in the same vein like if i can say that i'm that i am attracted to oscar isaac then why would i ever have a problem with saying that a trans woman is also attractive that shouldn't be a problem i was about to say Cobb vanth but uh, you got it Cobb vanth as well like a hundred percent like like timothy oliphant put him on the list you guys put him on the list it's okay um, and at what point, this is more of a thunderquack conversation now that we've gotten into. This is Amanda and I would talk about this who, all the time. At who, what who point knew the Epcot episode could do this, right? <laughs> yeah. At what point do I have to admit that actually I'm probably not heterosexual because the list used to be Oscar Isaac. And now the list is like, I don't know, like you can put, you can put, <laughs> put chris pine on that list too you put anson mount a hundred percent anson mounts on that list like if anson mount showed up tomorrow and was like hey i want to take you to dinner and then do stuff i'll be like 100 percent, right and <laughs> like captain pike I-, I am yours do with me as you will like i like i'm fine with that in the same way that i would talk about uh poe dameron the most beautiful human being who's ever graced this earth oh, we're we're so lucky just to have Oscar Isaac at all. We're even luckier that he is Poe Dameron. Like what a, what a gift and what a tragedy that they wouldn't let him and John live out their um, homoerotic dream uh, in, in rise of Skywalker. Cause that's what they wanted. And it's what we wanted, you know, and I think it's what we needed more importantly, but tying all of this into back into the Mandalorian. Um, and we're the we're gonna get backlash. Like the Mandalorian's gonna get backlash. We're gonna experience this as as a Star Wars fandom because we've just transferred the power from Din, a man, right? Um, uh-huh. And it's not gonna be as bad as it could be because he's a person of color. So like the 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 worst people already don't like Din Djarin because every time he takes off his helmet, they're reminded that he is not a white guy. Um, and and it makes them upset because they're not only do they have male fragility, they also have white fragility, and that's a whole other thing. But all of that that power has now been transferred over to a woman. Thankfully, you know she's white, so they can they can rest easy on that. That like oh oh thank God a white person is in power again. But now Ew. they have to be upset that it's a woman, <laughs> right? Like yeah, like it's terrible. just you can't you you just can't win with these people right they 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 want to live in a world of of just like uh outrage Ooh, and no yeah, one like, else yeah. yeah um it's just it's 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 so obnoxious it's so sad and it's so pathetic but unfortunately it's also incredibly dangerous right but we've got this society in mandalore where it's like put on the armor you put on the helmet and i know that we have like femme armor and mask armor and so like that there's a whole aspect there but but here's the thing and i really hope that eventually with the mandalorians we get to this that we can see some of this is that like that's that's also okay that's fine for there to be more feminine versions of the armor and masculine versions of the armor that's totally fine where it becomes a problem is if we start to use that as a way of defining who is what and saying that it has to be this way or the other way. As long as we live in a world where anybody can wear any style of armor that they want and we make the armor as diverse as possible, which is what the Mandalorian has done, then we live in a world where actually Mandalorian culture doesn't care. If you're, if you're a man or a woman, male or female, 
<clears throat> and I think Grogu can represent part of that of like, it doesn't even matter if you're a human. Right. right. And the thing that they, the confession of love from Bo-Katan in this episode when they're like, he's not even a real Mandalorian. He doesn't have a drop of Mandalorian blood. And she's like, listen up. That is not what makes a Mandalorian. And this, this guy over here follows the code in ways that you guys can't even understand in a way that like the children of the watch don't even understand. Right. Like Din is actually like the paragon of, of Mandalore, right? Like, like he is, he's the most Mandalorian anyone's ever been. That's the point. And she's basically saying that of like, like he's more Mandalorian than me. He's more Mandalorian than you. He's more Mandalorian than the armor than any of it, because he is devoted to this path, not because it's, it's, a cult and not because it's a path to power or strength or any of that stuff, but because he truly believes that this is the, like, this is the right way to live. He believes in the way of Mandalore in a way, like when he says, this is the way, this is the way you guys. And I think that like the moment with the Ugnaughts and the, I have spoken and her seeing that is, is a way of, I mean, like we know Din, we know that he, navigates the galaxy in a very unique way that like we saw it in the first season with the, with the Tuscans, right. When he's dealing with them and he's doing the sign language and speaking in the grunts. And then we right. see it again in, in the Marshall um, that it's like, hold up. They're people just because you don't understand their culture doesn't invalidate their right to exist. Right. Like Din Djarin is like, the biggest ally in the galaxy because he's like, he's like, like, and, and, and listen, we get into a little bit fantasy always gets into this problem, this trap. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing. And there's a little bit of like a racial stereotyping thing going on with like the Tuscans and with the Ugnaughts and this and that. Right. And, and, and the thing is that he does have a prejudice against droids. So he's not, he's not perfect. He is still a flawed right. character, and that comes out in this episode, and it's really great. And it's I love it. Same, because I feel like it's the safest, you know, to you know have a prejudice against the droids, it's, right? It is. It. I. I. I think that like having the prejudice against the droids, and and specifically the way that it's built into his character and into his backstory, is a very, um, it's a very relatable thing. Oh, Where like we can yeah. we can we can forgive his prejudice because we can understand that it's tied to trauma and that he hasn't fully worked through it. And the other part of it is that we actually, we do, we have actually seen a lot of growth in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, but it is interesting. He's like, no, only certain droids, only the droids that I know, which is so like, he is still racist. He is still racist against (laughs) droids, but he's like, but he is learning. It's the, it's wedging the door open of like, well, but you do know that one, you do know that one guy and he's pretty cool. Right. So like, can you be a little bit more chill about all people that are like that? Right. Like, so he's, he's, he's on an upward trajectory and this episode, I think was maybe a little bit of a backslide, but it's because it's because unfortunately he walked into a situation that confirmed his worst fears 
his word like so it it reinforced his prejudice but i i wish that we had a moment at the end of the episode where like after we find out that christopher lloyd's actually like messing with the droids and it's not their fault that he that he has a moment of like i maybe i maybe i am too quick to judge on this stuff and maybe we'll get that maybe we'll still get that of him being like you know i've been too quick to judge droids in the past and 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 maybe that's unfair droids have every capacity to be good yeah as they have to be bad and it's like no different than any other sentient right like Right. I, th- I think he'll get there. I think he'll get there eventually. It's a journey. It's and he's 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 you know he's on the path. He's on the right side of the path. But, um, but yeah, there's a little bit of that stuff with the Ugnots of like, I don't know. I I think I I think I can justify it because it is a little bit racist of him being like, everybody knows that you're the hardest working species in the galaxy, and it's like, ooh, that's a real big blanket generalization of an entire species. And an entire culture is kind of grody. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, but at the well, same that's the time, they, that's the way they're actually like labeled though in the, the galaxy, right? Because that's the mm-hmm. position that they're put in and they, they're, they're aging. They're, they last for uh, multiple lifetimes, right? For uh, m- yeah. multiple human lifetimes, I should say. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I didn't, I didn't quite take it that way, but uh, now that you mention it, maybe. It, it's 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 like i said it, this is one of those tropes that fantasy falls into of like oh orcs are this way right uh you know elves are this way and it's like you know we human beings like to categorize this is the way it is but emodians are dot 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 you know exactly, you know, exactly. are you know exactly so Watto it's a, is <laughs> it's a trap it's a trap that you can fall into um and and so it's not necessarily great, but I think they balance it out with the fact that he's not saying that for Bo's benefit. He's saying that for their benefit of like what, what he's getting at. It's maybe a little bit of clunky writing that, that, that needed another pass. Um, But ultimately the message of it is that he's like, he's like, no, listen, you cannot talk to these people that way. You have to understand that that's how everybody talks to them. And it's not fair because actually like their role in, in our society is a role that's been put on them. It would have been nice if you would have said some of this stuff, right. Of like, because it's, because I do think that like Din gets this. I think like the Tuscan thing is evidence that he gets this of like, of like, like, no, like your, your perception of their role is not, it's not them at the end of the day. Right. And so there's, there's a component of him being like, they deserve respect. They deserve to be spoken to with respect in the way that they speak to each other. And in the way that like, like you have to, it's not, it is a bit of a negotiation tactic, which can be a little bit manipulative, but I also think that it comes from a genuine and sincere place within of him being like, when you're out in the galaxy and you encounter another culture, you have to adopt the practices of that culture in order to respect that culture. Right. Like it's not a matter of doing it because like I had, he not met Quill and Quill hadn't made this impression on him. I don't know that he would have had this reaction in this moment, but that's the thing about Din and what makes him 
in my opinion, a heroic and great character is that he goes out into the galaxy, he experiences things, and then he internalizes those experiences and he carries them forward with him, right? Not every character can do that. Some characters are very static. And that to me is like, it's like, that's actually Din's superpower is like this, this empathy that he has. Um, and so he goes, he's like, he's like, I knew Quill. And it's like, and he's, he, he recognizes that Quill is unique amongst Ugnaughts to the degree that like, there's a really good chance that these guys have heard of him. Right. That like, yeah. like, especially given the history of the, of the place that they're in, that it was an Imperial thing. And now it's a newer part. And so like these guys have actually, these Ugnaughts have probably been here the whole time. Right. Because of what you said, like that their lifetimes are extended, that they live many human lifetimes. So they've probably been on this planet the whole time servicing droids and doing this thing with no respect and no I, I, I sort of um, reward. Yeah. Like just just toiling away, doing their jobs because it's what they do. Um, and then here comes this guy who's like, listen, I get it. I get it. You guys like this is we are not implying that this is on you. What we do need is like, we do what the reason we're here is not to blame. The reason we're here is because you are literally the only ones with the knowledge to help us sort out who is behind this. Right. And so like, that's where it turns. I think that there's just a little bit of clunkiness in that dialogue of like, of everybody in the galaxy knows that you guys are the, you guys are the hardest workers. There's a little bit of like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very pointed with this. There's a little bit of like, well, everybody knows that like black people are strong, right? Like that's a racial stereotype that is completely false and incorrect and not like, or, you know, like all the best black, all the best basketball players are black because black people are better athletes. Right. And it's like, well, that's a, that's a real that's a real gross characterization to to say um it's like but i said a good thing <laughs> it's a positive yeah, exactly. right and you got and you'd be like yeah but it's still you're still reducing an entire race of people to one set of qualities and that that so set of qualities yeah, exactly. is like it's like well it's kind of their own fault you know they they're slaves because of this because they're so good at this one thing. It's like, it's so like, it's a slippery slope of like, we can't, you cannot say that stuff. You cannot think with those ideologies because it's very easy to then fall into racial stereotyping from that. Right. So that's where like that, like to just to put a a nice fine point on it, man, we have talked about a lot of stuff that is probably going to make a bunch of people uncomfortable listening to this episode. But (laughs) what I want to say here is, is a, if I've said anything offensive on this episode, if I've misspoken in any way, please, please, please don't hesitate to tell me because like Din Djarin, I want to learn and become better. And, and the only way we do that is when people let us know that you said a thing and it was wrong. Um, now, if what you, the problem that you have with that is that I am, you know, uh, 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 that, you know, uh, all lives matter or 
that uh, uh, J.K. Rowling is right, then you can go ahead and take those opinions and shove them all the way up, and and uh, I I don't want to hear them. But if if you are if you are a person who identifies along the lines of any of the things that I've been talking about that are not my place to necessarily speak about, um, and I've been a bad ally in any way, please let me know. But I think I'm okay. I think I'm good. You think I'm good, Marty? I'm I'm okay, right? I think so. And uh, I, I was going to so. say this uh, maybe about half hour ago, um, <laughs> but um, you actually mentioned the, the the term gatekeeping and everything. And yeah. uh, when you were saying that about you want you saying that you are an authority on Lucas and various things, yeah, um, that was the first thing I was going to say um, was that you've never come across. And I'm guys, I've been listening to this guy for a decade at least yeah um and uh he has never been the type to gatekeep um all fans are welcome just you know no it's it's the end it's the antithesis of what the reason why i do these podcasts right like like this is this is always has always been and always will be a conversation with the audience forever right and right um it's it is literally it is literally a compulsion, as you can tell. We're two hours and fifteen minutes into this episode. I it is a compulsion of like I have these things inside me, and I need to get them out and tell them to other people. I need other people to know how I feel about this because I I feel like I've done a lot of work to get to this point, and uh, and so I want to get it out. And then it, but it is a two way conversation. Like if I anytime I say anything that you think is wrong, like, like just call me out on it. It's totally fine. And you're not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying that if you call me out that you're right and I'm going to change my mind, but I, but I want to hear it. I do want to hear it. Um, if you didn't like this episode and you have legitimate reasons why, then, then yeah, like, like go ahead and, and voice those opinions. That's fine. I think that it's valid to, to not enjoy this episode. I also think that if you're not enjoying this episode, you're missing out on a lot of what Star Wars is at is about at its core. And like that's a like that's a belief that I have that I don't know I don't know if that's a justified belief or not, but it is a belief that I hold. That like if you're if you're bouncing off this episode, then you're missing something about Star Wars. Um, and, and you and need it's to it's also like we're, we're here to, you know, tell you like, hey this is why you know so such and such this is why you should like star wars or yeah uh, but, but not but I, I, maybe i'm now i'm talking to myself in a corner you shouldn't have to do anything you know <laughs> but no that's gotta, and the, and that's why i used the language earlier right of like it's not this it's not gatekeeping because i'm not judging anybody for their position in the star wars fandom or the like the, like sort of like the level that they're at that's it's fine I like to me, it's I think it's just important to recognize that maybe like like you're not as you're just not as deep into the Lucasian way of storytelling as other people are. And so sometimes when it goes hard, Lucas, like this episode did, because like, listen, George's favorite episodes of the Clone Wars are the Mieber Gascon episodes, right? The, the Sunny Day in the Void, which is hands down my least favorite episode of the entire series, right? I I do not like it, and there's a reason why I don't like it, and it has nothing to do with um 
like what the way that George tells stories and wants to tell stories. It has to do with the fact that like, it's not what it's not what I'm here for with star Wars. It's like a sunny day in the void is a really depressing episode. It's a, a like, like Mieber Gascon gets suicidal in it. And I just like, it just, I don't, I don't want, I don't, I don't want. And it, you, like, I, did you, I, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Did you ever think that he was, do you ever think he was just joking with the audience when he said that, that, uh, the sunny day in the void is his favorite episodes and he was just no kind of being the, no i don't i don't think so i don't because because I, I like i understand why it's his favorite series of episodes because it was him really pushing the envelope of what they could do with that medium of it's yeah. like you got a little a weird little frog man and a bunch of droids and they're and they're lost in the desert and he goes insane right yeah and like go back to George's first movie is THX 1138. That's all I need to say, I think, in order to be like, no, I legitimately believe that George was like, George was like, let's mess with these kids. Like, let's yeah. push this story to its absolute limit. And that's where George likes to live. That's what he does, man. That's what he does. And I love him for it. And I don't have to love that episode to love him. And I don't have to love that episode in order to love the way that, that he tells stories and the types of stories that he wants to tell. Um, But this is one of those things of like uh, back then when that episode aired uh, and, and I bounced off of that one real hard. And it was funny because we then, because then we had Steven Stanton on the podcast in the midst of those episodes and I think I said to him at one point, I was like, like, you know, like I didn't enjoy the episode. And you know why? Because I really like Mieber Gascon. And I didn't I I didn't like seeing him go through that. It made me uncomfortable. And it's one of those things of like in that moment, it's hard to recognize why is this making me uncomfortable? I should interrogate that and I should figure that out because it's an opportunity for growth. But it is one of those things where now it's like I'm never going to go back and watch those episodes. I don't need to. Right. It's not an experience that I that I want to have again. Um, and it's really just the one. It's really just a sunny day in the void, because I actually quite like the other like the episodes that bookend it. Um, I because I like the droid stuff and I and obviously getting a Republic commando and all that, like getting getting the introduction of Gregor is all great stuff. Right. But that one episode in particular, like I never I never, ever need to watch that episode again um, because I because I. Yeah. I've Sorry. done that work now and I know why I don't like it and I understand it. And it's funny that it's George's favorite episode. It's my least favorite episode. And I don't think that that, I don't think that that like invalidates my, my views on George, right? Like and on his, his ways of storytelling. I think actually the fact that I've spent so much time examining why I don't like that episode and why he does is actually one of the things that I'll point to and go like, I think this is why you can trust that I actually do know what I'm talking about with this stuff. Because I've taken the time in an uncomfortable spot to like really examine like what's going on there and like why I don't like it and why he does. And and the fact that like that is actually it's like I have to respect it and I have to say that it is probably one of the better episodes of the series, even though it's not one of my favorites, because it is a kid's show that pushes this conversation into like just completely uncharted territory for that type of storytelling for that, for that medium and that method of storytelling, which is like Saturday morning cartoons. Um, and I, 
and and he does it in a way that I think is that can still be fun for kids, but like actually force it, an eight year old to confront their own sanity and mortality. That's genius. That's George. Like that's George in a nutshell. And I don't want to watch it because I don't like what it does to me personally when I watch it. So I don't have to. Right. And if that's how you feel about this episode of the Mandalorian, then that's fine too. Whatever. Right. Like, like to each his own. Um, but, but I do think it's also important to stop and ask yourself, why is this making me uncomfortable? Just like all that other stuff that I was talking about, the transphobia stuff and the, and the, 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 um, the racial stereotyping stuff. If those conversations make you uncomfortable, especially if you're a cisgendered white heterosexual male, if you are made uncomfortable by the stuff that we talked about in this episode and it's, and it's bothering you, I, what I really want you to do is stop and examine what's making you uncomfortable there. Because, because the thing is, is that when we have, uh bigoted ideologies usually what that's coming down to is what i was saying about the transphobia thing it's actually usually an insecurity that we have if there's something in this episode that's bothering you it's actually probably an insecurity that you have that's being brought up in this episode that's making you uncomfortable now, maybe it's not. Maybe that's that's too deep. And maybe you just literally didn't like Jack Black and Lizzo being in the episode. That's fine, too. I think maybe you have a little bit of fat phobia going on, if that's the case. And I think that you should examine that. But but I also I also think that like it's it's also valid that like it was a lot. This episode was a lot. It was big. It was in your face. And that's not going to be for everybody. And that's fine. I think that's fine. It was loud and proud. It was, oh boy, was it ever. And, but for me, where I'm at in my personal journey as a human being, as well as a Star Wars fan, this episode hit for me dead on in the bullseye of exactly what I want and need from Star Wars right now. Um, In a way that like, as I've talked about so much this season, Andor is not that thing. And Andor is not that thing for the same reason that a sunny day in the void is not that thing for me. I don't listen. My life is stressful. My world can be bleak and cynical enough as it is. And that's not what I want. It's not, it's not where I want to be. I want to spend my time on, uh, what was the name of this planet again? Uh, plays are, I want to spend my time on plays 15, having a good time. And I don't want I don't want Christopher Lloyd to bring me down with his separatist nonsense. Dooku was right, you know. <laughs> Dooku was right, but Dooku was also a bad guy. <laughs> Dooku yeah. was also the villain. So like the separatists had some good ideas. And I think that grief's it's funny because we're we're right after the the episode with grief where it's like grief's like, dude, I just want to be an independent system. I just want us to be self-sufficient. I want us to be a place where people can come and be free. I, I, he's got, he's, he's, he is, he is dangerously on the edge of libertarianism, but, um, but he, but then he, he brings it back with like, 
I want this to be a safe place for people. I want people to be happy. I want them to be safe. I want them to flourish. I want them to be the best versions of themselves. And in order to do that, what we need is freedom. And we can't do that under the yoke of the new Republic. We can't do that. No different than the yoke of the empire, no different than the separatists, no different than any of that stuff. And the separatists would say like, no, that is what we're after. Right. Is like, we want is the Confederacy of independent systems right? Like, and that's the idea is that it's a confederacy of independent systems, not a republic of homogeneity, right? Like, that's what we're after. And that's on, on, I just forgot the name again. What is it? Plazar 15. Plazar. I want to say Praxis, which I think is another planet in Star Wars, or is Praxis from mm. is pra- Praxis? I don't know. It's either Star Wars, Mass Effect, or Destiny, <laughs> like the video game Destiny. Um, but it's stuck in my head. Like play, it plays R fifteen, plays R fifteen. I got to remember it. Like Planet Laser, plays. I, I, I'm hope I'm even pronouncing it correctly. It's, they pronounced it like three different me. ways, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm having a hard time retaining it is because like they weren't consistent. Um, yeah, but anyways, I need the subtitles for that one for sure. I wanna, I wanna hang out there where where everybody like where like christopher lloyd like hellgate's getting like he's all mad he's like he's like at least they're letting the droids do all of the work and they're all just just dedicating themselves to art and leisure and i'm like sounds like a good time to me you guys sounds awesome um because as an artist it's like i want to live it's 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 an artist commune now he's getting at that because he's like somebody's got to make sure that these droids are all working and i've i've got to be the guy who has to work for a living and it's like it also sounds like actually your job is your whole life and you and you dig it but whatever um but you're also griping about it it's funny how that works i but yeah like like I don't know. I want to go there. I want to be there. I want to, I want to live on that world. Or Navarro. I hang out on Navarro too. Navarro seems like a good vibe to me. Uh, Navarro feels like where, uh, where I live already. And that's Vegas where it's nice in the town, but then you go outside and it's, you know, it's the lava fields. (laughs) So you got to be careful. Um, Also to answer your question, Praxis seems like it's from the, it's a moon with the Klingon empire from Star Trek. Oh my God. Is it a Star Trek thing? That's hilarious. That I'm like, so. it's just, one of these I, things and I was wrong. It's actually a Star Trek thing. Um, I just looked it up, but yeah, uh, that's where that's I'm great. Right that's fantastic. I, 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 this is, I, I am into too many things. My brain is a mess. The ADHD, it sometimes it works in my advantage. And sometimes it's just like, you have knowledge from 15 different franchises. Which one would you like to have today? Uh, yeah. Anyways, I I think we did it. We are cresting two and a half hours <laughs> of yeah, mostly me talking. Um, but Marty, thank you so much for being a co-host on this episode. Thank you for being the sounding board and uh, and and the other the other side of the conversation when when I when I allowed you to. Um, no, but I think but, I also like egged you on. So like I think that's it's why this is the thing. Like this this is my thing. It's why I like. I like podcasting with you. I like podcasting with Joe. Um, Joe, uh, we we joke about it where it's like, I'll be like, I'm wrapping up the episode and Joe will say, well, I just got to ask you one more question. It's like, we just, that was another half an hour, Joe. Stop it. Um, and he'll be like, well, yeah. And it's like, we'll finish. And he'll be like, 
It'll be like, dude, you said you wanted to go to bed early tonight. And then you made me talk for two hours. And he's like, yeah, that is my fault. Um, so I, I, I love it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and not making me feel like a ding dong for doing it. I hope that everybody listening to this also enjoys my extended rants and ravings uh, and lunacy. But I, I, that's it for this one. We got two episodes left in the season. We got Star Wars Celebration coming up. So next week's episode, you know, is going to be a good one uh, in terms of like, like forced perspectives, because we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. I, because we will have had the entirety of Celebration and a new episode of The Mandalorian, the penultimate episode, which tends to be intense. So like, buckle up, guys. Let's go. Um, yeah, I it's can't gonna, wait. it's gonna be a fun one. Uh, what but, uh, is gonna happen? I don't know. I love it. I love that I'm in a position of like I have no idea what happens next week. I have no idea. I'm gonna. Be, you know what would surprise me the most is if I've been right all along and it ends up being a confrontation with the armor. Like if that's what this season <laughs> ends on is like oh, okay. <laughs> like so I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But it's here's the reality. It's going to be what it's going to be. I don't get to make Star Wars. John Favreau does. John Favreau does. You know why he does? You know why he does? Because Elf and Iron Man, you guys. So the next time you want to second guess his decision making, Elf and Iron Man. Okay. And and Chef. Let's. I'll, I'll put. I push. And in there too. dude. Totally, 100%. I mean, like, Chef has not had, like, a cultural impact in a way that, like, like no. Elf came out and was instantly a Christmas classic. Like, like I have watched Elf every year at Christmas since that movie came out. And that is a decision that I made the first time I saw that movie. That is hard to do. <laughs> it is hard to penetrate that Christmas bubble as, like, this is now. There is one other movie that managed to do it in, in our lifetime, I think. Uh, and that's the Santa Claus and uh, Tim yeah. Allen has managed to absolutely destroy that by being a garbage human being. So now every time I watch the Santa Claus, I'm like, yeah, but he's a bad person. Um, but thankfully, Will Ferrell continues to be an absolute delight of a human being. And uh, yeah, so Elf and then Iron Man changed pop culture. You guys, the MCU changed pop culture and we live in a world where Disney plus exists and that doesn't exist without John Favreau and Iron Man. So just let the man cook. Let him do his thing. Oh. It's all going to be good in the end. It's all going to be good in the end. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> thank Thanks you, Marty, for, me, for joining me. Oh, yeah. let, let people know where they can find you. Uh, I know you guys are, are you guys are still on your hiatus. You haven't come back yet. Yeah, uh, we're uh, still on hiatus, um, okay. but uh, we're going to be gearing up shortly. Um, you can follow us on uh, not another movie podcast on uh, Instagram at uh, not another movie podcast, uh, Twitter at a at N a M uh, movie podcast. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify or wherever you can download your podcast. I, uh, you tell your co-host on that show that if he's not careful, it's going to be a permanent hiatus because I'm going to snake you and you're going to come over 
And <laughs> like, I'm just going to make you podcast with me. You're not going to have any time to podcast with him. So hey, you well, use that as uh, an incentive to get him motivated to, to put out some more podcasts. It's actually, it's actually more me because of uh, my time. So it's not him. Um, he, okay. He's, he's single, ready to mingle. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he has all the time in the world, man. He, he, he streams and he actually has his own streaming. Um, oh, nice. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, discord and whatnot yeah. but uh but yeah um thank you again again um i i've podcasted with you a couple times usually on the thundercrack podcast network and i just want to take this opportunity to say thank you for bringing me on this is uh this is kind of the bread and butter show you either this or rebel cells or what used to yeah. be you know front lines and uh i just hope you know sounds like you liked it and it, <laughs> i hope to come back anytime yeah you know, dude you want and you're you are always welcome uh, always and forever. Don't worry about it. Here's the thing, guys. If you listen to the podcast for long enough and you're a cool person and we have good conversations and stuff like that online, uh, eventually I will need you to come on the podcast. That's the way that it works. So it's like, I need somebody. I know these 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 specific people uh, will do it. And then eventually I'll make you do a podcast on the Thunderquack podcast network as well. And uh, yeah, so that's the... It's that's how Tim and Kyle got where they are <laughs> with a podcast that gets way more downloads than this one. So, you know, I, uh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. I'll always say, you know, Mike, you've always been very welcoming and I always remember, I think the first thing, so like I listened to your show for years, finally got to meet you in person in star Wars celebration 2015. And I always remember, uh, the, you know, I, I found you, I saw you guys coming into line. I said, Hey, what's up? It was the first thing I said. Second thing you said to me ever in our life was like, Hey, you want a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but it was just like, Oh man, I love you guys. <laughs> well, I know you want so, a t-shirt. I listen, I'm the, the, my, one of my biggest regrets of celebration in 2015 is that we didn't hang out more. We didn't spend more time together. So, uh, hopefully Hopefully the next time it's in California, you can, uh, you guys can make it out and we can all hang out together. Yeah, uh, for sure. We'll, we'll make that happen next time around. Awesome. I, uh, again, thank you guys. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Marty, for being on this one. And I, uh, and, and I don't know, I'm going to do Obi-Wan. So like, you'll I'll probably pull you in for that. Probably pull you in for a couple episodes of that. If I, if I, if, if I end up getting motivated and actually do it, I'm going to, I want to do, I want to cover Obi-Wan. I don't know if I'm going to do Andor. I keep saying that I'm going to like catch up on everything. Well, I guess we have time, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. You could do we'll Andor into uh, like arcs if you wanted to. <clears throat> yeah. You know what? Like it, this is the thing is that that'll all be a lot more clear after celebration when I, th hopefully we have some dates for things like skeleton crew and Ahsoka. Um, and we know what the rest of this year looks like and we know where the gaps are. And I know like, okay, cool. We can cover the yeah. six episodes of Obi-Wan and we can do the, uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. The best way to do and, or it's probably not episode by episode, but to do them like arc by arc. Cause then yeah. you get it, you get it done in what I guess in four, how many episodes are yeah, there? There's four, 12 episodes? episodes. Yeah. So there's, four, a, there's a couple of transition episodes here and yeah. there, but you could do like four. Yeah, totally. Um, that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, awesome. Thank again. Thank you. I, this is the third time I'm going to end this episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs> My pleasure, man. And, uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys next week for the penultimate episode of season three of the Mandalorian. 
Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.